97.5 The Fanatic. Tuesday evening to you, Philadelphia. It's great to talk to you after an Eagles win. It is Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord to my left. We got Matt Menard back there running the board. And uh, we have you until 10 p.m. tonight for your continued reaction to the Philadelphia Eagles victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They move to 3-0. It was a strong performance in the trenches by the team last night, and we're going to have plenty of reaction to that. We've also... Got what is a potential clinch situation for the Philadelphia Phillies. If they win tonight, they're in the postseason. If they win tonight and get a little bit of help from a couple other teams, they're in the postseason as the top wild card seed. So a lot of stuff going on there. So uh, we'll we'll let you know when we hear more on that front. But where we start today and how we're going to be starting these shows going forward uh, as Tom and I share the airwaves at night. This is weird. I'm used to seeing you in the mornings, Tommy. But, yeah, I don't uh, like it. Why don't you like it? I don't it? like it one bit. I like it. No, I don't mind. I'm excited, buddy. Of course. It's going to be fun. Excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. But we're going to lay out three things that we believe to be true. Now, these are three things I believe to be true. Tom, some nights, might disagree with me on these. And you can disagree with me on these at 610-632-0975. But my goal every show is going to be to convince you that these three things that I believe are factual are indeed actually factual. But they are very much debatable when it comes to the grand scheme of things. So let's start it out. The first assertion tonight, and we're going to take deeper dives into each of these throughout the show. I'm just laying them out for you here. The first assertion tonight, Jalen Hurts is going to be absolutely fine. There's no reason to be concerned with him so far. The turnovers, the issues he's had, the kind of on not on the same page with his receivers, those things we all have seen, right? But I'm going to tell you why that's not something that we need to turn into a season-long concern for Jalen Hurts. We're going to get to a point this year where it's going to seem silly that we were ever worried through three games, oh, he's got this many turnovers. Oh, he doesn't look like he's on the same page because there are contributing factors. I mean, the rhythm of the games and the schedule has not been great for the Eagles so far. I mean, you've had a Sunday night game, a Thursday night game, a Monday night game. That's not exactly getting you in a routine. On top of that, the weather hasn't been great. And you got a new offensive coordinator. There are a lot of contributing factors. So we're going to get into that a little bit deeper as to why I think Jalen Hurts is absolutely fine. And if you have concerns, I'm not saying that it's not valid to say he should be playing better. Like, I think he should be playing better. But I don't think there's a world where he doesn't end up playing better when the season is all said and done. And I think that's a great thing for the Philadelphia Eagles and They're winning in spite of that, which is the ultimate thing. Next, this defensive front that the Philadelphia Eagles have is better than last year's. Even without the sack numbers, even without the turnovers that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was able to cause and everything, and the Birds have been pretty good turnover-wise this year. The Minnesota game where they must have had popcorn beforehand and fumbled everything they touched might have helped out a little bit with that, but they've been a solid team turnover-wise through three weeks. But I'm going to tell you why this defensive front is better than last year's. Yes, the last year defensive line that had 70 sacks and was monstrous and was a huge part of their success and lived in other quarterbacks' nightmares throughout the course of the 2022 season. This one is better, and there are a couple reasons for that. The number one to me is Jalen Carter. 
I mean, he's uh, – Tom, how do you explain what's going on with Jalen Carter this year? He is a freak of nature. He was the best player in the draft last year in the Philadelphia Eagles. Got handed him with the number nine pick overall. He has more pressures than Aaron Donald this season through three games. That's pretty good where I come from. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good where anyone comes from. On top of that, uh, Jordan Davis, he's in much better shape. It's paying off through three games. I mean, he's got a sack and a half with a forced fumble. Jalen Carter has a sack and a half with a forced fumble. It's just in both of those forced fumbles, by the way, running back plays that those guys are chasing him down from behind. The motor, that's the thing, right? That's why you go and get these high pedigree guys out of places like the University of Georgia, the SEC stalwart schools, because not only do they get the highest recruited high school players, and naturally those guys are built to be the best. I think that's a slogan for some company that's not coming to mind right now. Built to be the best. Not important. But also, those guys are taught how to compete at the highest level in college. This isn't, oh, we're getting some guy from the Big 12 who his defense gave up 70 points a game, but we like the individual player. No, these are guys that the Eagles have brought in who are next-level players who were next-level players on the best defense in college football when they were a collegiate athlete. That's a great thing. And there are some other guys that we're going to talk about as well, the Hassan Reddicks and Brandon Grahams of the world, that haven't done much yet. And kind of back to the Jalen Hurts point, I find it hard to believe we're going to go a full season without hearing Hassan Reddick make an impact or Brandon Graham at some points to a lesser extent make an impact. But then Josh Sweat has made up for that at places. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into that conversation about uh, how this defensive front, in my mind, is going to end up being the better one when compared to last year's. And that was arguably the best defensive front in franchise history last year. Now, I know there's people who are going to look back at the Reggie White days and say, oh, and how can you say that last year's was better than that one? Because you had some all-time greats there, but uh, they were comparable. And I think this year's is going to be as well. And this last one is the one that's going to get me in trouble tonight, Tom. This is, uh, yeah. I need to have a conversation with the Philadelphia fan base at large. And this has to do with the Eagles, but it has to also do with the Philadelphia Phillies and a team that has a chance to clinch a playoff spot and the top wildcard spot in the National League as early as later on tonight. We need to be better as a fan base about handling teams with higher expectations and going into seasons where the championship is the only successful outcome. Heading into this Eagles season, they could go 17-0, and and they could smoke a team in the first round of the playoffs and smoke a team in the second round of the playoffs. And if they lose in the Super Bowl, it's going to be a season where people say, okay, well, you didn't accomplish your ultimate goal. And there are going to be people disappointed with that. And that's fair. They made it there last year. The Phillies made it to the World Series last year. There are going to be people that if the Phillies don't go on a World Series run or a deep run in the playoffs, a little bit different for that team because of the level of competition, and they weren't expected to be great last year. They were expected to be good enough to make the playoffs, and they went on a magical run. But still, when you see your team sniff a championship, you can't get that smell out of your nose. And you spend the whole next season saying, some will, okay, this isn't good enough because I expect them to be World Series contenders. They haven't gotten to this point that I wanted to see them at because last year they gave me this run that gave me a taste of how good they can be when they're playing at their best. And I think that we've gotten too caught up in the end goal of seasons being championships to appreciate not greatness in the regular season, right? That's the thing. We can all appreciate what the Eagles did last year when they just ran through everybody in the NFC, the AFC, 
any team on their schedule, you were going to get it if you were playing the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022. But I'm talking about a season like the Phillies are having right now, a start to the season like the Eagles are having right now. You might not always look like the best team in your sport or your league or your division. It just it doesn't always happen that way. And I think we've gotten to the point where we've gotten a little too close to focusing on the end goal expectation, and it's taking away from appreciating how hard it is to put together winning seasons. I mean, the Phillies have made the postseason, what, 17 times in their history? And obviously, we've had a much better experience, Tom, our generation with the Eagles. Absolutely. Because the Birds, I mean, we grew up with the four straight NFC championship game and uh, Andy Reid teams. We saw a Super Bowl. We saw Nick Foles do incredible things the year after and take them on a run again. We've seen Jalen Hurts take them to a Super Bowl now. Like, we've been spoiled when it comes to the Eagles. So I think we're better at it with the Eagles. But we're still... I've seen too many people, because of the high expectations of this team, not be as supportive or happy about a 3-0 start as I think we should be. And I'm not saying anybody's a bad fan. I'm just saying a shift in the mindset needs to happen a little bit. We need to come to the understanding that even though the goal is Super Bowl, you don't have to be perfect to get there. The separation of perfection and excellence is something that you need to come to terms with. And the Eagles so far, they're 3-0. and That, through three games of an NFL season, is achieving excellence. It's a much smaller sample size than what we want, but it's where you need to start in order to get to where they're going. Do you feel this from the fan base, Tom? Or is this just something that maybe like my day-to-day focus on the Phillies and because I've had people fighting me tooth and nail that this team isn't as good as I say they are all baseball season, maybe that's poisoned the well for me. Do you get the impression that because people are so focused on championship caliber play we're harder on the teams than we should be yeah it's easy to look ahead right when you come when you're coming off two fantastic seasons like we did last year one an entire fantastic season from the philadelphia eagles and the phillies obviously fantastic end to the season it's easy to get our expectations sky high especially when the team comes back better than they were last year in a certain case for the philadelphia phillies adding trey turner all that good stuff taiwan walker it's easy to have these expectations sky sky high right and that that's fair that's okay but I don't think we need to freak out and feel like we need to just jump off the bandwagon completely when things go wrong, right? There's ebbs and flows to a season. I said it last night. We have to get last year's Philadelphia Eagles season out of our heads because a team to be that perfect it felt like all season long where you're playing B or A games all season long is not feasible in the NFL. It's not It's not something that is able. you're able to do night in and night out, right? It's not sustainable. We have to get that out of our heads. There are going to be natural ebbs and flows. There are going to be some hiccups, some road bumps along the way. But if the end goal is, of course, going to be to get to the Super Bowl, to get to the championship game, if you're playing your best football, your best baseball, and you're looking for the most part, looking as it to the most part, as a really good football or baseball team out there, especially towards the end of the season, then you're in a really good spot. And that's what the Philadelphia Eagles are right now, or at least growing to be. And that's what the Philadelphia Phillies are right now. It's like going on a great first date, right? The Philadelphia Eagles last year, they took us on the best first date we've ever been on. We got Jalen Hurts. Can he be the guy? Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. Nice candlelit dinner. He got the check entirely, like paid for all of it, drove you home, opened the door for you. What a guy. Just just 100%. And you're floating on air. And you're like, that's amazing. I can't wait to go on the next one. Guess what? Not every date is going to be perfect. We've all gone out there and had uh, some clunkers before. You got maybe... 
the conversation isn't as flowing as easily. Maybe someone had a bad day, this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't mean you break up with the person just because the first date set expectations really high. You've got to take the whole situation for what it's worth. It doesn't mean the second date stunk. It just meant the first one was awesome. You can have good times even if it's not perfection. And that's kind of the mindset I think we need to come to when it comes to not just the Eagles, but the Phillies as well with how we've approached this regular season. We're going to get into all of that. Coming up, though, where we start, we're going to go back to that first topic I brought up about Jalen Hurts. On the other side, I'm going to tell you why Jalen Hurts is going to be fine and get into a conversation about rhythm, rhythm with the schedule, rhythm with the coordinator, rhythm with his fellow players. And there's a great cut from Jalen Hurts' postgame last night. You might have already heard it on the postgame show with Tom and I last night, but we're going to play it for you again about the interceptions he threw in last night's game, a show of leadership by Jalen Hurts, and also an explanation of, well, a behind-the-curtain look into where Jalen Hurts' mindset is with his receivers that we don't get very often that he kind of gave us by accident. Uh, I'll explain, but you're going to want to hear what he had to say. We'll have that coming up, as well as a conversation on where we need to see him go the rest of the season in order for that assertion to be right, that he's going to be just fine. It's Connor Thomas, Tom Malvord, and you jumping in on what you think about Jalen Hurts to this point this year. And if you agree with us that he's going to be fine, you can get in 610-632-0975. You can also get in if you disagree, of course. We'll take those calls as well. Happy to hear from you. And we'll be right back after this here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text Oscar to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on Backstagecountry.com. Text Oscar to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. 97.5 The Fanatic. Six twenty one here at 97.5 The Fanatic Studios. Tuesday, right? Like, my, my days so. are all thrown off by the Monday night game and the schedule changes. I don't know what time I'm waking up anymore. No, it is Tuesday here. Uh, it's Tuesday out there as well. Appreciate you joining us. Connor Thomas and Tom Alvord with you. And I'm going to tell you again, Jalen Hurts. He's going to be absolutely fine. You got to understand this one thing, right? Football is like music in this aspect. Rhythm is very important. Athletes are creatures of habit. They create routines. They like their regular weeks. They like to play Sunday at 1 or 4 o'clock. And they love home games because, you know, you're going to get up Monday and you're going to do this. Tuesday, you're going to have whatever practice. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, walkthrough. Saturday, get ready. Sunday, go and play the game. Same time. When you start a season playing a Sunday afternoon game, and then you go and you play a Thursday night game like four days later, three days later, and then you wait 11 days, and then you play Monday night, your body doesn't get in a rhythm all that well. It may sound like, I know, There's some old head out there, something like, oh, well, they're not working in steel mills or coal mines. or Yeah, I get it. They're getting paid a lot of money to play a game. But still, routine matters to everybody. It doesn't matter what the paycheck is. These guys' bodies need to get in a rhythm, and the schedule's been weird for the Eagles to start, and Jalen Hurts is part of that. On top of that, 
take into account that last night he did play with flu-like symptoms. We could hear it a little bit when you listen to him in the post-game press conference. He was like coughing and sneezing a little bit in there. Uh, sounds like, he, yeah, he needs a little cough syrup or a little Dayquil or whatever. To sniffles. Feel he did, which happens. I mean, he played through it. He played fine. He wasn't like complaining about it. I think his actual quote when asked of how he's feeling or how it felt playing with it was, we won, which is typical of Jalen Hurts. But, but yeah, so he's dealing with that. And here's the thing. I, I know it's three weeks, but three weeks is a small, small fraction of the NFL season. It's not as small as three games out of a baseball season or a basketball or hockey season, but still, there's a lot more time to go, and we're not even a month in to the 2023 season. We're not even in a month in until Brian Johnson being the offensive coordinator of this football team. You need to give a little bit of time to this offense to truly hit their stride. It's great that DeAndre Swift has been hitting his stride. It's great that the rushing offense is figuring things out, but the rushing offense is a little bit less... uh, I'm trying to use the right word because I don't want to diminish the effect of a running game. But there's less intricacies, I feel like, in the rushing game than there is the passing game. Like, the timing is not the same when you're running the football. You get the handoff. The offensive line has to get to their assignments. But there's not as pinpoint timing needed for a run to be great. Like, if you're off a little bit on your blocking assignments, running back cuts back, finds a hole. Uh, Maybe you find a hole by the defense just being in the wrong spot. And that happens in the passing game, too. But passing, you got to have... The drop back right, the blocking right, the route right, the timing right. You need to read the defense better. Uh, You're reading the defense largely pre-snap on running plays if you're the quarterback, and then it's on the running back to make uh, immediate adjustments there. I'm just saying, in my mind, it's easier to get the running game where it needs to be at the start of the season with a new coordinator than it is to get the passing game there, especially in a league where passing is the focal point like it is now for the NFL. Yeah, especially with this offensive line, who, you know, a lot of us say the best offensive line in football and especially when it comes to running the ball, right? Then then you really see that they are the best offensive line in football, right? So behind this offensive line, which, by the way, you have, what, four or five starters returning, and the only uh, guy not returning is your right guard, right? So, And when you ask any offensive lineman, they'll tell you that they'd rather be pushing forward than going backwards, pass protecting, right? So yeah. you are correct. Listen, it's not easy. It's the NFL and trying to design up run plays and making sure no, everything clicks, Yeah, right? I don't mean to make it seem easy. But still, I think, yeah, I think there is some... Some validity of what you're saying. But yes, is it easier to design a run play or a pass play? Run play. There's one option on the run play. Maybe two, right? Where if it's a read option, Jalen Hurts has a chance to pull the ball. Which a lot of this offense is. Exactly. But uh, passing could be five options. There could be six if you count like the rollout and run option and everything. Like There's so many different things in the passing game that everyone needs to be on the same page for. So that takes a little bit more time. And uh, again... We've got new players, like Zacchaeus, new guy. Now, the timing looked great last night with him. A great touchdown thrown by Jalen Hurts to Zacchaeus, uh, who had some interesting comments about uh, the prep afterwards and saying it was a good night for the prep with what DeAndre Swift did. But it's just the new coordinator, the new running back, a new wide receiver that had to step into a higher role because Quez Watkins was injured last night. You got to figure it out. And this scheme is not just new for Jalen Hurts. It's new for A.J. Brown. It's new for Devontae Smith. It's new for Dallas Goddard. Like You saw a play last night where Dallas Goddard looked like he should have sat down on a route that was an option route. Jalen Hurts threw it to the space he thought he should have been. It was behind him, and it ended up being an incompletion. That's stuff that needs to be figured out, and there's a lot changing in this offense from where they were at last year with Shane Steichen, who, by the way, 
looks darn good as a head coach. Let's not underestimate the fact that Shane Steichen is no longer part of this team and he looks like he's a really good football mind. Uh, that all factors in. And that's why I've said it multiple times that it's not just bringing in Brian Johnson and him being a new coordinator, first-time offensive coordinator and play caller. It's losing Shane Steichen. Like, I yes. think we underrated how good Shane Steichen was. We're right? so focused on how much we hate Jonathan Gannon <laughs> Correct. that we didn't love Shane Steichen enough. And how much we enjoy Nick Sirianni here and how talented that offense is, right? right? But you're seeing how good Shane Steichen actually is. We're what? That team's 2-1 and one right now? And yeah. one of those games was without the number, what, top five overall pick in the draft? Anthony Richardson. With Gardner Minshew, who yes. was 0-2 last year here. Correct. Yeah, so I think that's a big thing that we should consider as well when it comes to the struggles that we've seen from the passing game in this offense. It's not just bringing in a new coordinator and learning a whole new system. It's losing a second head coach in Shane Steichen on the offensive side. Absolutely. No, that's a great point, Tom. And uh, 610-632-0975 is how you can get in. I want you to listen to this cut from Jalen Hurts first before I open up the phone lines. And last night, Jalen Hurts was talking about well, he was asked about his interceptions, and he kind of caught himself because he was saying, well, this should have, and then he goes into the cut that you'll hear here. Dude, I'm not going to be that guy. Um, it looked like a miscommunication on the first one. Yeah, yeah, I think you summed it up, you know, mis- miscommunication, not on the same page there. And then, um, you know, I just tried to give him a chance on the second one, and DB made a great play. So the miscommunication one he's talking about was the interception he threw directly to a defensive player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in a pass attempt that was headed DeAndre Swift's way. The other one that you heard him talking about, just wanted to give him a play, was the deep one that uh, to Devontae Smith that Devontae probably could have came back for more and played a little defense on, but it was just kind of one of those shot plays, saw a guy, had a look, take a chance. Defensive player made a great play. It ended up in a safety. It actually ended up helping you a little bit. It would have been nicer to have that touchdown, but I mean, you'll, you'll take the two points because you pinned them deep. Like that's the right part to take a shot. I didn't love that throw decision, but I didn't hate that throw decision, but what Jalen hurts is kind of telling you without telling you, and you don't hear a lot of Jalen hurts thoughts on how his teammates are playing outside of praise. He'll say, Oh, I love what this guy's doing. Great work. The standards, the standard. Okay, yeah, it's good. Did what we needed to do to win. That's normally all you hear from Jalen Hurts. But this time, he kind of almost threw DeAndre Swift under the bus a little bit. Not that he meant to, but clearly he was going to say that that was a route that he thought DeAndre Swift was going the other way on, and that's why he threw it directly into a defender's chest. Miscommunication was what he settled on with the reporter who asked the question, and I think that's the right way to term it. But that's it, right? He's telling you without telling you. We're not quite on the same page yet. Is part of that on him? Yes. Is part of that on the coordinator? Absolutely. Is part of that on the pass catcher, whoever it might be, whether it's Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, anybody else who's a potential receiver for the Eagles? Yes. And that stuff takes time. It really does. Now, there are teams out there like the Chicago Bears whose quarterback's coming out and saying coaching is the issue, and they're getting smoked by everybody. They're in Big-time trouble, and they look like a terrible organization, maybe the worst in football. Thank you, by the way, Chicago Bears, for allowing the Eagles to draft Jalen Carter. Yes. But the Eagles are able to do this from a standpoint of a 3-0 and record. And also, they're able to do this with a quarterback who has a track record of putting together an insanely good season. He was an MVP candidate last year. 
He was a Super Bowl appearing quarterback who won you the NFC and played well enough, in my opinion, to win you the Super Bowl if your defense could get a stop and if there's not not a bad holding call, that one fumble notwithstanding. So, yeah, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be fine. I just think they haven't found their rhythm yet. And through three weeks, I think that's not an atypical thing. 610-632-0975. So I want to know, how much do Jalen Hurts' early struggles worry you for this season? Have I convinced you? It's just rhythm. It's timing. It's something they'll figure out. And at points this season, he's going to look like the guy that we knew he was going to be. Or do you have actual worries? Because we got a tweet last night uh, that, oh, are you worried the quarterback's on pace for 23 turnovers this year? I mean, it's factual he's on pace for that. But understand that this is not the normal start to a season where you have the same coordinator and same head coach and normal timing of games. A lot of things changing for the Eagles this offseason. I think you still have to give Jalen Hurts more time to get back to the level that he was at last year. 610-632-0975. Let's open up the phones. Let's go to Heavy in Huntington Valley. Heavy, you're on 97.5, the Fanatic. Yo, bro. What's up, man? What's going on, Hef? Dude, I'm having an epic day. I put down 1100 on the Rockies. They won. Huge day so far. But, um... I mean, I'm certainly not too worried about the Eagles right now, other than, you know, is it correct? Is the offense looking, you know, looking about half as good as it should be? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair statement right now. But, you know, you're three weeks into this. You know, they were playing in, playing in some absolutely horrible weather last night that clearly isn't good for the passing game. Yeah, same as week uh, one as well. You know, DeAndre Smith once again looked good. You know, you can't can't complain about the running game. Um, but you know, and at the same time, too, the defense defense is looking awesome. Right? Oh, they're they had, they're outstanding. They had, some, they had some huge plays last night. Jalen Jalen Carter was getting in on the mix last night. He's like, a next level player, heavy. Yeah, like I mean, you you look at this roster, you know. I, I don't really think there should be any any worries about the future. I mean, yeah, I think you could easily argue that they should be playing better, that they sh- should probably be beating these teams a little bit more. You know, they they missed out on two easy touchdowns with those first two drives last night. So could you have some worries about that? Yeah, I can understand that. They're, you know, not getting it done in the red zone. But, you know, we start we're starting out 3 and 0. You know, most likely, I've said this before, you know, we should be undefeated going into the Dolphins game, which will probably be our most difficult game of the first first part of the season. Yeah, that's the first game where it's like you're playing a really quality, quality opponent. Not that they can't lose other games before that. It's the NFL. But that's the first one that you have on the schedule where it's like, okay, here we go. Buckle up. Yeah, exactly. But at the same, you know, at the same time, you know, would you rather them be be playing like fantastic, like their best, the best of the season right now, or would you rather be holding on to that for the end of the season? I think is the question. Yeah, no, I'd I... rather see. I, I'd rather see him be playing absolutely horrible right now, and still. I mean, they're still picking up wins easily. I mean, they've covered they've covered the you know the points on every on every game so far. Like they, they're you know they're beating these teams and. And they're getting wins. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm with you, I don't man. I what the big problem is. Yeah, and I appreciate the call. Uh, yeah, good teams win, great teams cover, right? <laughs> that, they say. That's the old saying. Uh, but 
I'm I'm with heavy. I don't think there should be too much concern with the Eagles to this point. There are certain things that you can pick apart as far as individual performances, but in the grand scheme of things, they're where they were expected to be through three weeks. Now, have they looked like we expected them to look in getting there? No, not necessarily. I'll tell you, Jalen Hurts is big time underachieved compared to what my expectations were for him coming into this season. I expected him to be much, much better than this. That doesn't take away from the fact that they're 3-0. and to me. In fact, it almost enhances the fact that they're 3 and 0 because the question is, how much better can they be when Jalen Hurts is playing at the level that Tua Tagovailoa is playing at right now down in Miami? Like, you just watch the team of the Dolphins hang 70 on the Denver Broncos. That's all well and good. But when the Dolphins are down 15 in a playoff game, it's not going to matter how much they beat the Broncos by in week 3. What matters to playoff teams is winning enough games in the regular season to make it in. And to try and lock up that top seed, home field advantage, bye week, all that good stuff. And the way you do that is not by point differential. It's not by how many touchdowns your quarterback has thrown. It's not about how pretty it looked while it was happening. No. Ultimately, the first tiebreaker in standing is, I'm not sure if you know this, Tom. It's a little known fact about sports. The number one tiebreaker is your win-loss record. Is that right? Yes. Learn something new every day. And the Eagles are 3-0. They're the only undefeated team in the NFC East. They're one of... Three undefeated teams in all of football, which is strange, right? I feel like normally early on, yes. we get to 4-0, and and that's when you kind of start seeing it dwindle down. Like, there'll be four or five teams left undefeated, and it's like, oh, okay, these are the teams. The fact that we've already got only three teams left undefeated in week three's end is crazy. So, take I think, that for what's worth. I think that's a lot of the lack of preseason and the way that the NFL has kind of switched as a whole, where we're not seeing guys play in the preseason nearly as much as we used to. So, you see a lot of a lot of rust involved. And then I think it's the gap. Like, there's like, what, six great teams in the NFL. There's six horrible teams in the NFL. And then in between... There are a lot of similar teams in the NFL, and you could, it might be less than six on both sides, right? I think just the parity is so real in the NFL, and these teams are a lot closer than we think. That's part of the reason that we're seeing these uh, only three teams with 3-0 and starts. Yeah, I also think there's normally this much parity. Like, I really think this is a usual thing. The oh, yeah. reason we're so focused on it this year, and last year we were as well, is because the Eagles are now like the undisputed member of the elite football club they're going to be there as long as you got Jalen Hurts and this offensive line and this defensive front and these wide receivers and a run game that can kill you and a head coach Nick Sirianni who gets his players where they need to be you're going to be an elite level team and now we get to focus on uh, other competition like who's where if you're a uh, supposed to be I'm trying to do math because the 17 games are up if you're supposed to be like a 7 and 10 team an 8 and 9 team you're not thinking, oh, wow, this team's undefeated, that team's undefeated. You're saying, how do we win next week's game? And the Eagles are focused on that in-house, but this kind of goes back to the fan conversation that we're going to have uh, and continue to dive a little bit deeper that I set up in our first segment. We're focused on higher goals than that. How do we get to the Super Bowl? But Nick Sirianni's been telling you all year, we're not winning the Super Bowl in September. We're not winning the Super Bowl in October, November, December, Heck, even in January, and you got to win playoff games, but it's incremental growth to get there, and you don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse. So for that being your mindset, the Eagles have accomplished what they've set out to accomplish through the first three weeks, and Jalen Hurts 
has accomplished it without playing his best football. That's an asset for the Eagles, in my opinion. And I think he's going to be fine just because I know that he has the makeup and the work ethic to continue to work on things. He's not the type of guy that looks at a 3-0 and record and says that that's good enough. No, he's never satisfied. No, never. He, winning's all that matters, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want to win by more every time he does. So what you have written down here, Draylon Hurts is going to be absolutely fine. I agree with. Okay. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I do. What the do you disagree part, with? The second part. There is no reason to be concerned with him so far. None at all. No me. reason? No reason. I don't know about that. What do you have? Well, look, he's already got three interceptions on the season. Had okay. six all of last year. That is something that made Jalen Hurts so fantastic. And being number two in the MVP voting probably would have won it if he didn't miss two of those last three games. His ability to take care of the football. And they can be gotcha. fluky at times, yes. But still... That's something that we were looking to be able to see if that was going to translate year in and year out, right? If that was just more of a fluky season last year when it came to the, not the season as a whole, when it came to the lack of turnovers from Jalen Hurts, right? Him already having half of what he had last season three games in, I think there's a reason, a little bit of a reason to be concerned with it, right? The other part is, yes, it's a little bit of a slow start. He's rusty. He's got a new coordinator, all that good stuff. People are still trying to feel everything out. DeAndre Swift is new here, right? Miles Sanders is someone that he played with for, what, two seasons before? Uh, before last season, right? So right. a new, a completely new coordinator, a completely new running back, and I think that's part of the reason that the interception happened last night. But we've been kind of waiting for this passing game to figure it out. It's been three weeks, and I'm with you. I'm not overreacting. I said it last night. Not one bit. But to say that there's zero reason for concern. I mean, what if it takes... What if we're expecting, oh, they're going to figure it out, they're going to figure it out. What if they don't? Like, what if it takes Brian Johnson, what if it takes everything to click 10 games, 12 games, whatever it may be? What if it takes an entire season? I don't know. Probably not the case. But there's it's always, not going to. Probably not, but there is always a chance because of all these moving parts. Yeah, there's always a chance of everything. So I can't, be because of that, that I can't say there is zero reason for concern so far. There's a chance I get hit by a bus every time I cross the street, but I'm not freaking out about buses every time I leave my apartment. I mean, there's a chance of everything, but when you put there is no reason for concern. There's no I reason. How I, many of those interceptions were bad interceptions because to me it's one of them and it was the one against minnesota that was just not a good read not a good throw that's all that's all well and good right but the interceptions are still happening if they lose the game because of an interception i'm not gonna be sitting here oh but they're not losing the game but of course you are absolutely correct but it could lead to something if jalen hurts is if his ability to protect the football regresses right not regresses horribly just slightly regresses that could be the uh the reason that you lose a football game that could be a reason that you lose a football game in the playoffs so we have to see that part of it sharpened up when it comes to Jalen Hurts um and the other thing when it comes to Jalen Hurts in this offense real quick right like as I mentioned that it was uh Shane Steichen leaving Brian Johnson being the new coordinator in here it's going to take a little bit of time that's all well and good Jalen Hurts have we seen him play Two poor, three poor straight games in a row last season. We didn't see that at all last season. Well, right? how many poor mm, games did he have last season? Two. The Colts three? game wasn't great. No, and I believe that was back to back with the Cardinals game. They had a stretch where they weren't looking all but that. But Jalen hurts himself. There was what? Maybe I think no. But three, I'm saying games. He, he wasn't great against Arizona. He wasn't great against Indy. He wasn't great against Washington. There was a couple. He wasn't great against um, even Washington. He wasn't bad. They just like they couldn't control the ball. They didn't have the ball. He wasn't great against Houston. So that's three, four games that he was not great last year. 
it's been what two or three already this season. Like that's part of the concern again, as well. You got to look at the rhythm of things. I agree. He I'm played agree, a Sunday I, afternoon, a Thursday night, a Monday night. New coordinator. Like I completely it's, agree. It's not last year. I'm just giving you a little bit of pushback when I hear there is zero reason to be concerned for Jalen Hurts. There's zero. Okay. No concern if you at say all. So. On my front, no concern all right. at all. Maybe you agree with Tom. Maybe you agree I'm not, with me. I'm not saying that I agree. I'm not saying or that I disagree with you because I feel the same way. He is going to be absolutely fine. Tom so thinks Jalen Hurts stinks. I think Jalen Hurts is good. Six one oh six three two zero nine seven five. Who do you agree with? Is when I hear zero reason for concern. If yes. he has another poor passing game or another non Jalen Hurts passing game next week against Washington. I'll be honest, the concern is going to start creeping in a little bit. Are they going to win? Fig- are they going to win and cover again? That's all well and good. Winning is great. You could go seventeen and zero, but if he is not the same passer that he was last season, it doesn't matter because you see, you're right. The passer he needs to be to win a Super Bowl, which he did against Patrick Mahomes. We haven't seen anything close to that this season. I agree. I got to see it eventually. I got in a huge fight with callers on Saturday morning um, over this about how they need to be a pass first offense and. That's how you win Super Bowls in the NFL. You can win individual games by running the ball, but ultimately the teams that win are the teams that throw the ball all over the place. So I'm with you. I just don't have any concern that that's not going to happen. Like, I think it's going to be a thing. 610-632-0975. would love to hear your thoughts on that conversation and where you stand on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense in general. Uh, Coming up, we're going to also talk a little bit about this defensive front. Last night on postgame, Tom, we get so engrossed in the offense and Jalen Hurts because we love offensive football. But Philly, this town loves defense too. And that defensive front that they have this year is unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you why I think they're better even than last year's. Sack numbers notwithstanding, the eye test to me and the players, when you run down who is on this roster, I might be taking this year's team. It's only been three games, but we'll get into it. By the way, the 6 o'clock hour here at 97.5 The Fanatic is brought to you by Family and Company Jewelers. Visit them on Route 70 in Marlton, New Jersey, or at familyjewelers.com. They are South Jersey's diamond destination. Go ahead and check them all out. So, yes, we'll get into the defense a little bit coming up. We'll also take your calls on Jalen Hurts and that conversation Tom and I were just having about whether or not there's reason for concern reason for no concern where do you stand on that because maybe i'm going a little too far i'd love to hear your thoughts it's connor thomas tom alvord we're back after this here on 97.5 the fanatic 97.5 the fanatic Six fifty-two here 97.5 the fanatic another rainy tuesday evening phil's still playing but uh yes it is uh the weather should break tomorrow. That's a good thing. No, yeah, that'd be great, honestly, if it did. It'd be great for the Eagles, too, because I do think weather's been a little bit of a factor. I mean, two of the games they played have been pretty substantial rain games. I expected the weather to be nice in Tampa last night, and next thing you know, you look, and partway through the game, it's like a downpour. Now, it was not for the whole game, and you're going to have to be able to play tough weather games. I don't know if you know this, but Philadelphia... The weather gets a little bit rough at points near the end of the season. So I've heard. That's what. That's why it's nice to have home field advantage. It's funny. You know what? The Super Bowl years of our adulthood, well, I'm talking about 17, 18, and this past year of 2022, 2023, the postseason games, great weather. I mean. Cold, but yeah. The no, no, dude, not even cold. The Minnesota NFC Championship game, I wasn't even wearing a sweatshirt, I don't think, for that game. I think I might have gone long sleeve shirt underneath the jersey. It was like fifty eight or something. Yeah, you're right. I'm thinking more like t- like rain or snow coming down. I, I don't really remember the no, weather off the, the top the of my Falcons head. The Falcons one was fine. 
the Falcons game that year was fine. The Super Bowl, obviously, in a dome both years. Um, and um, last year, the game against the yeah, Giants, Fran, maybe it was Giants. a little bit cold. But the San Fran game wasn't too bad. For being Philadelphia in January, it could be a lot worse. You yeah. are correct, yes. Yeah, so maybe uh, shout out global warming. There you go. But, there you go. <laughs> no, but that's that's the other thing. Like, all of this factors into the performance so far of the team. It has not been the typical Sunday 1 p.m., Sunday 1 p.m., Sunday 1 p.m. It's a juggernaut team that's running back the same scheme as last year type of thing. So that all factors in. We have to take all of this into account. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the defensive front in just a second. And we're also going to hear a cut from Baker Mayfield post game last night on what it was like facing the Eagles defense. And he had, uh, it's not a long one, but he had something interesting to say about the look from an opposition quarterback and what you need to do to try and beat this Eagles team. It doesn't seem like he's figured it out. And it doesn't seem like anyone has figured it out right now uh, outside of like trotting Patrick Mahomes out there and hoping he outduels the offense. It doesn't seem like there's much the teams have figured out when it comes to this defensive front, whether it was last year or this year. But I'm going to make the case why I think this year is better. But we got a couple people who want to chime in on the Jalen Hurts conversation that we were having on the other side of the break. So uh, let's go to uh, Terrell in Philly. Terrell, you're on 97.5 The Fanatic. How's everybody doing? Doing What's good, on, man? man. How about yourself? I'm all right. Uh, and, you know, respectfully, I do got to disagree with you. I agree with your uh, producer, Tom, on this one. I'm not saying we can't bounce back up. Cause it's probably more than likely he will bounce back. But, you know, last year we had a feed up. Last year we was relaxed during Eagle games. Last year, like you said, uh, on the weekend, anybody can get it. Yeah. Anybody can get it. I don't feel that's the case right now. And no. I'm not saying we we're going to have our feet up this Sunday against Washington. And, you know, just like we had our feet up against Bucks. We you think they are? You like think they that. beat Washington easy this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can okay. teams like that. But it's the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins and the like. I don't think that like last year we thought that San we were taking the, our, our mortgage out on the uh, San Francisco game. <laughs> You're right, and and we we knew for a hundred percent we could we could beat San Francisco. But I, I think it went down to seventy five now. Uh, I yeah, I mean. I know what you're talking about, right? This Eagles team does not look like the level of dominance that last year's team was. Hurts. Like, if Jalen Hurts brings his level back up, go back up to 100. Yeah. Like, well, let like, me read you, you this real quick. Do you feel confident against Buffalo if Buffalo came in, in our house? I, I don't feel, feel confident as last year. No, nah, if they were to play a team like the Bills, the 49ers, even the Cowboys, I know they had a rough loss to the Cardinals. Nah, it's I'm fun not, to I'm make not fun of about the Cowboys. No, nah, <laughs> I, I got you, but I'm still saying, like, those top-level teams, it was fun to watch them lose, though, right? Yeah. yeah. But last year, here were the first three games for the Eagles. They beat the Lions by three, 38-35. They smoked the Vikings in that home opener of the night game. And then they beat the Commanders 24-8. to But none of those teams were really all that good. The Vikings, we thought, might be. All three of those games, Jalen Hurts played phenomenal in them games. Okay, so it's the quarterback for you. You're you're saying that you're a little bit worried about the higher-level competition. I don't know. I don't know if it's Jalen Hurts. I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if it's the offensive court. You know, I, I guess, like, I don't know what it is. But you, yeah. Maybe he wants to protect the ball. Maybe, you know, the Super Bowl fumble get in his head. Maybe, you know, maybe the turnovers are starting to get. I don't know what's, what's what it is. But I, I, I have a feeling that he's going to shake it off as the season progresses. You know, like, well, we all we all know, like, uh, with our eye tests, you know, we've seen what we've seen last year. He's going to be better. Yeah. No, I but got you, has, Terrell. He has to still do it, though. That's true. And I appreciate the call, man. Thank Thanks, you. Man. You have a good rest of your Tuesday night. 
I don't totally disagree there with what Terrell's saying. I'm just a little bit more confident. I don't even know if confidence is the word. I think it's certain. I'm pretty certain that Jalen Hurts is still going to be an elite-level quarterback when everything's all said and done this year. But if you're forced to be in that mindset, and that's a great question uh, by Terrell there, uh, think about if the Eagles were playing the Buffalo Bills this week. Think about if the Eagles were playing the Miami Dolphins this week. If that was the opponent waiting for you on Sunday and it wasn't the Washington Commanders, how would you feel about that game? Because last year, any team, regardless of if it was the 49ers in the NFC Championship game or if it was like the Cardinals week five or whenever they played them, week six, whatever it was, you felt like they were going to smoke whatever team they saw, home, road, rain, shine, night game, day game, doesn't matter. That team was infallible. This year, they haven't felt like that. But again, it is still through three weeks. I don't know that we'll get to another point where we feel about this year's team like we felt about last year's team, but that doesn't mean you can't win at all, right? That doesn't mean you don't have to be perfect to win the Super Bowl. Nope. You have to be damn good. And the Eagles have been damn good to this point. And the quarterback hasn't played as well as he can. So I, I think that's important to know. I think everyone here is just still waiting for that Jalen Hurts game. And I'm yes. with you, right? I think he's going to be perfectly fine. I think he's going to figure it out. Even yesterday, I think I saw some growth from Jalen Hurts. And I said it last night where he looked like he made it a point to stay in the pocket, not get happy feet, not bounce out, right? And he did that, especially on the Zacchaeus. Olamide Zacchaeus, by the way. I uh, think it's Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus, whatever. You got the Halfway first there. name. It's fine. We'll get um, there. OZ on that, OZ. On that throw I like to OZ. That. Uh, he he was fantastic. Stood in the pocket long, right, and threw an absolute dart to Zacchaeus in that situation, right? So we've seen signs. We've seen a little bit of growth from Jalen Hurts. But going to his point, uh, to Terrell's point a little bit, what I was saying, last year they were 3-0. and They're 3-0 and this year. That is absolutely correct. Last year, though, Detroit game, Hertz was okay. He was fine. I remember having the conversation. You got me angry comparing him to Patrick Mahomes right away, and I yelled at you. But Guess after what? that game. Interesting that that's how the season started, where the season ended. Yeah, right. After that game, he was fantastic in the Minnesota game. As yes. we all know, shoulders crossed, all that stuff. 333 yards and a touchdown. The next game in Washington, 340 yards and three touchdowns. Now, stats aren't everything. But when you have, what, 670 yards in two games and four touchdowns from your quarterback and you're 3-0 – you had people feeling a little bit better. And that's why I think people are just a little bit hesitant to jump of a certainty that you're having that Jalen Hurts, no doubt, is going to be okay. I believe he's going to be, but it's looked different. Despite it being 3-0 and this year and despite it being 3-0 and uh, last year, it's looked a little bit different from the quarterback. And we all know it's a quarterback league. It is a passing league. We need Jalen Hurts to be the guy that he was last year and in the Super Bowl, of course, if this team really wants to beat those teams. And he mentioned it. Oh, how's it going to look against the Bills and Dolphins? We don't have to worry about that anytime soon. That's why, right? That's why I'm not freaking out. Because you're 3-0 in this situation, despite Jalen Hurts going out there and not looking his best. But when it goes back to you saying there's no reason to be concerned, if we're at week seven and we're going into a game against the Dolphins and we've gotten one good Jalen Hurts game, like one great Jalen Hurts passing game so far, I think there's a little bit of reason concern. But we're not there yet. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. That's why I just can't say there's zero reason to be concerned with Jalen Hurts. Okay. I get where you're coming from. Let's go to Brandon in Southwest Philly next. Brandon, you're on 97.5 The Fanatic. What's up, guys? How, you, how y'all doing tonight? Doing What's good, on, man? man. How about yourself? Oh, man. I'm just a little worried about the fan base here, man. Why is that? I, because it's, it's why do we do this to ourselves? We are a dominant team. We have not played dominant. We was in a Super Bowl last year. We come out, we three and zero. It's been, it hasn't been perfect. We won the game. It's true. 
These are facts. Jalen has gotten better in every game we've seen this year. I'd agree with that. We have watched our offensive line. Well, I'll say the coaches realize that our bread and butter is our running game. Well, see, that's the thing, right? It has been to this point, but I want the bread and butter to be the passing game. That's what great teams do, right? So they need to get to that point. Well, what, what was what was the one of the most the the most uh, the uh, the thing that was so amazing about the end of that game yesterday? We ended that game trotting down the field, bullying them. They got the ball. The Eagles got the ball, Brandon, with nine twenty two left in the game. They didn't give the ball back to the Buccaneers. That whole drive was beautiful. Why? They ran the ball. They, they was running game well at that time. Yep. But at the point of when we really started moving and getting going is when you hand that ball off to Swift and he opened it all up. Let yes. him get us to the one and let Jalen keep getting pushed in <laughs> Yeah, tush push, right? Now, Brandon, you sound like you're kind of in my camp. I don't have any concerns about Jalen Hurts to this point. I think he's absolutely fine, and I think he's going to look when everything's all said and done like the quarterback we saw last year. Are you with me? I'm with that. I just I think Jalen's struggles right now is he didn't that the that lack of preseason reps. Okay, I'm going that that, and he got a new play, a play caller. Right. Last year was the first time in his career he had the same play caller for two years. That's a great point. I was just going to bring that up, too. Uh, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate the call. That, that's awesome because I was going to bring that up, too. Uh, Alabama, Jalen Hurts plays there. Then he goes to Oklahoma, different coaching staff. Comes out of Oklahoma, comes to Philadelphia, different coaching staff. Things change, different coaching staff. Nick Sirianni, he's a starter. He gets back-to-back years of Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni. He goes to the damn Super Bowl. He's a near-MVP candidate. New coaching staff this year when it comes to the OC. He's just had a lot of change. Like, consistency is hard to keep when you have success in the NFL because coaches are going to get poached. But we've got to understand that it's not easy to switch schemes, what, five times in six years for Jalen Hurts? That's tough to do. So as good as he's been, we need to also see the contributing factors and understand how much slack we should cut him and say that we still have faith in this guy. Now, I understand people being where you are, Tom where it's not zero concern. It's we believe he's going to be good, but there are some things that he needs to focus on. For me, I just have so much faith in the player and the makeup of the man that Jalen Hurts is that I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, the only reason that I would have any type of worry, right, because I'm not worried about it, but my thing is just like it's a long season. I'm worried about it being an inconsistent year from the play caller, from the offensive coordinator, and from Jalen Hurts. So, yes, he's going to figure it out. He's going to be fine. We're going to see those Jalen Hurts types games. But what if we don't see him consistently, right? That's something that pops into my head a little bit. Until I see him do it consistently, I'm never going to be at zero. And I think that's part of this change. And listen, it's not a, it's, um, it is a bad thing, right? Because obviously you want Jalen Hurts to play every single year like he did last year, right? But like a slight regression can happen, especially when you have no preseason early on in the year. And especially when there's all these moving parts and you're changing a coordinator for, again, the, what, fifth time in six years, right? It's just, that's what I think people who are worried, other than the haters, because other than like the legit Hurts haters out yeah, there, which there they are. Exist. Yeah, there's no convincing them otherwise. But like the people that are kind of, Still waiting for that game a little bit more in my camp where it's like, hey, he's looked, teams look great so far, 3-0. and They've gotten better every year or every game. We've seen growth, all that good stuff, right? But 
you never know what can happen in, in an NFL season, right? There's a ton of parity in the NFL. And when you have all these moving parts and a new play caller for the first fifth time in six years, there can be some inconsistencies. And those inconsistencies can be the difference between an NFC East title, a number one seed in the NFC, and a Super Bowl win, right? So, like, that's the only thing that's lingering. It's, it's way back. It's way in the back of my head. Yes. But it's lingering in there somewhere. Okay, fair enough. Well, you got I a just big, need you got a, a big a, head. It's probably pretty far back there. You don't have to worry about it. I'm at just all. waiting for that Jalen Hurts crossing the arms moment. <laughs> and once I see that, I'm good because then he knows he's back. That's all I'm waiting for. I thought we were getting it this week, but uh, the flu-like symptoms, the weather, I mean, it just wasn't a week for it. But you come out with another win. It's always now, next week. Let's look at a unit that has been playing incredibly well. The defensive line, my goodness, are they unbelievable. Fantastic. Like, it's just top to bottom, the talent level. I'm not just talking about the performance, right? Some guys, the performance has been great. Some guys who haven't performed great have the great track record. You put it all together and you say, this is a very, very scary part of a football team to have to go up against. I mean, top to bottom, we're going to run through some names in a second and compare them to last year's. And I got to tell you, this isn't just like hot take radio stuff. I think this defensive line is better than last year's. So I'm going to tell you exactly why. But first, I I want you to hear from the opposition. Here's what Baker Mayfield had to say, Tampa Bay's quarterback, about facing the Eagles' defense last night. Baker, how disappointing was it after last week being able to run the ball and have some success to just not have it work tonight? Yeah, I I mean... They're really good defensively. Uh, They're front. I mean, they're incredible. Um, So it's tough to run on them. It's just, it really is. It's tough to run on the Philadelphia Eagles. The defensive front's incredible. They're going to come in, opposing quarterbacks, opposing teams, and have that thought process. It's tough to run on them. If you're not able to pass the ball at an incredible rate, it's going to be very hard to beat this Philadelphia Eagles team. And you know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers recognized it. And that's a team that is not running deficient. It's not like they don't, like Rashad White's a good player. Uh, They don't have the best offensive line, but they've been able at points this year through two games to push the football running it. You can't do it against the Eagles. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, a nice back. Alexander Madison in week two. The Vikings felt comfortable enough to let Dalvin Cook walk, to let Alexander Madison be their top guy they're not going to get hurt by the run this year. And that's a good thing to take away because even though they're not getting paid, there are some good running backs that you're going to have to take away in order to win football games. And this defensive front can do it. Now, Tom, let's do this exercise real quick because this is where we're going to start the whole me convincing you that this, well, first off, I'll ask you, do you think that this year's defensive line is better than last year's? I think it has all the potential in the world to be better than last year's. I can't say that three games in, that it is definitely right now better than last year's was. Okay, so let's run through this. Uh, I'm just going to run through off the snap count that we have here some of the defensive players on the line for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm going to compare them to last year. So the first guy I see on here is uh, is Josh Sweat. You have Josh Sweat this year. You had him last year. Uh, I think there's nothing to say he won't be as good of a player as he was last year. Maybe even better. He's looked really good through what, three weeks. So advantage 2023 team in my opinion if not a wash so we feel good about that yes yes uh, yes a call to wash call to wash fletcher cox this year through three weeks better he's better than he was last year. correct you'll absolutely take that hassan reddick slow start to the year has not looked as good 
do you think that Hassan Reddick is like broken or lost or anything? I don't, but he might not be the same Hassan Reddick that you had last season. He's still going to be a damn good pass rusher when he gets healthy, and we hope he gets healthy soon because he has been a little bit invisible. But for me to say that he is going to be no doubt better than last year or even the same as last year, I can't say that through the three games that I've seen this season. All right, so we're going to go wash on Josh Sweat, plus on Fletcher Cox, uh, minus on Hassan Reddick. Uh, let's keep going. Jordan Davis this year. <laughs> Compared to last year, it's not even close. I mean, not remotely. No. He is so much more impactful. Correct. And I know you had Linval Joseph and the Dominican Sioux come in in the middle when Jordan Davis got hurt, and he never really got back on the field after those veterans came in. I get that because Super Bowl aspirations, you want the more proven veteran players in there. Jordan Davis is a problem. Yep. I don't know if I remember it correctly, but I don't believe that Ndamukong Sue or Linval Joseph forced a fumble at any point last year or anything like that. Not too sure. I don't know what their sack numbers are. They might add a couple. Jordan Davis, through three games, has one and a half sacks and a forced fumble. I'm giving that uh, a plus compared to last year. Here's where the real... I'm going to save this one, actually. Uh, So we're going to come back to the baby rhino. Uh, Milton Williams. Just going to call it a wash compared to last year. Potential to be a plus, but, uh, you know, we haven't seen enough from him, so I'll call it a wash. Brandon Graham. I'm going to go with the down arrow. I would agree. So far from what we've seen, I would agree. But when you look at that in totality, Fletcher Cox having a resurgence year, Brandon Graham not as good as last year. Kind of breaking even there. Three three games, of course. Exactly. So right now, we've got a couple washes. We've got Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox evening each other out with the swap in who's having a late season or late career resurgence. And then you have uh, Jordan Davis as the positive that pushes this line over. Uh, Derek Barnett, I'm going to, believe it or not, put him as a positive. He didn't play last year. So, yes. Exactly. That's the thing. You can make the argument. As annoying as he is, you could absolutely make the argument that it's a negative that Derek Barnett's playing. But I'm not going to do that. because He does have the talent. He does have the depth. He doesn't have the mentality. He doesn't have the... uh, Character's not the right word because he hasn't had off the field issues, but the um, really just the mental fortitude to not make mistakes in yeah, game. the bonehead like, plays. Yeah, he's not been a smart enough football player for this level of football, but he's more valuable than not being on the team at all due to injury. So I'll give him a positive. Uh, Tui Peloto, uh, I don't know, like whatever. Had a nice real- game yesterday. Didn't he recover? Or he had a sack, I think. Yes, he did have a sack. But I don't really put him in the equation as well. He's yeah, a very can, rotational piece. Sure, you can call it a wash. Let's get to the baby rhino. You ready for the hot take right now? Sure. If you had to ask me, not for their career, not going for none of this stuff. Okay, and thank you, uh, Stat Menard back there on the board. Between the two of them over last year's whole season, Ndamukong Sue, Linval Joseph combined, one and a half sacks, three pressures. I mean, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter are doing that individually through three games advantage this offensive line if you had to ask or sorry defensive line good catch if you had to ask me who's the player you want in the middle of your defensive line this season standalone regardless of age regardless of projection regardless of dollar amount anything would you take Jalen Carter or Javon Hargrave I'm taking Jalen Jalen Carter from what I've seen so far, these three games, it's hard to disagree. It really, I mean, you you look at this dude's tape, you see the clips on Twitter, like you have everyone just gawding at this dude right now. Like like I said, he's got more. Have everyone whatting at this dude? What did I say? Gawding? Did I say that? Yeah. Everyone enamored with this dude. Sure. I don't know what gawding is. Gawking maybe is what maybe you're gaw- Yeah, I think that's what I was going for. Go. Thank you. You have everyone enamored <laughs> We're creating words tonight. I love it. Hey, you never know. 
I do um, it. Enamored, gawking with this dude um, that you, from the clips that you see on Twitter. Like yes. I mentioned, he has more pr- pressures already this season than Aaron Donald does. I mean, some of the names that he's been tagged along with and been mentioned with, Reggie White, Jerome Brown, like those are names that we don't bring up lightly here in Philadelphia, right? And you have some really smart people bringing up those names. So despite Java, uh, Javon Hargrave having 11 sacks last season, getting that big contract, he's already got two sacks this year as well. And uh, two tackles for loss. The whole, like the player as a whole, from what I've seen from the first three games, it's hard for me to go against the J- uh, the uh, Jalen Carter pick there. Yes. It is. So let's run through it. Sweat wash. Fletcher Cox better. Hassan Reddick worse. Uh, Jordan Davis better. Jalen Carter better. Milton Williams wash. Derek Barnett better because he's healthy. Brandon Graham regression, but I mean, it is what it is. He's older. I'm taking this year's defensive front over last year's. And sacks can be fluky. They're not going to have 70 sacks. You can already tell through the first three games. Quarterbacks, and it's because of the linebackers and the safeties as well, you've got an opportunity to get the ball out and attack the middle of the field. But eventually they're going to start getting home. They're killing the run game. And they're creating pressure, which is as important as sacks at some points in the game. I, I just I saw an amazing defensive line last year, and it is incredible to me that we might be seeing a better one this year. Yeah, it's possible. Like I said, I can't go ahead and say that right now, right? Because that's fine. But like, and I get it. I get being excited about this defensive line. They have been fantastic to start the season. They have. But I still need to see more from Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham and make sure this isn't uh, just a fluky start to a season, right? And they're actually going to get back on track a little bit. I need to see that from the, uh, from those guys. Hassan Reddick was like a top three defensive player in all of football last year. Yes. Like, that can't go unnoticed. If he's not that this year, then your defensive line has a chance of being worse, right? Despite how good right. Jalen Carter or and uh, Jordan Davis have been, if Hassan Reddick isn't the same player that he was last year and he does take a big step down, which I don't think is going to happen, I do think he's still dealing with that thumb injury, but eventually we got to see some production. And Brandon Graham, I mean, that's a dude who had double-digit sacks for you last year, right? If he has a big regression and it's age-related, right, and he's just, like, hitting the wall, which, again, I'm not saying is going to happen. I'm just saying through three games, that's what I've seen so far. I can't say, and of course, of course, the adjustments are made, right? We'll see what happens. We'll see how the league starts handling this defensive line, if they can find ways to stop it, whatever it may be. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. It is still very early on, and those two guys in Davis and Carter still very early on in the season and in their careers. I can't say it right now, but it absolutely has the potential to be better than last season. You ready for our weekly Jalen Carter Defensive Rookie of the Year check-in? Sure. The odds right now, he is your odds-on favorite. At plus 105. Ooh, I think it was like plus 300 last week. Yes, the right? next closest is Will Anderson at plus 550. Ooh. Jalen Carter, a large favorite right now through three weeks to be your defensive rookie of the year. I don't know. I just feel really good about this defensive front, even compared to last year. And that's a good thing because they're going to have to make up a lot from the linebackers and the safeties and some corners that you're missing production from at points. And Josh Job not being the best in Avante Maddox missing for the season, stuff like that. So I like what I've seen. I just love everybody crapping on the Chicago Bears for passing up on Jalen Carter. They like, should be. They, they absolutely should That's be. That's dumb. Yes, correct. But as we see, the Chicago Bears, not a well-run organization. No. Be glad, folks, because we do have a well-run organization. You can jump in 610-632-0975. I'd love to know. Are you taking last year's defensive line or this year's defensive line? I know it's only through three games for this one, but I feel so good about what I've seen, especially from the young players. But it's a great thing you bring up about the Chicago Bears and how much worse it could be. We need to come to terms with the fact that successful seasons 
don't look great 100% of the time. They don't. There are going to be times where every good team has a slip-up. The Eagles haven't looked exactly like the prettiest team in football, but they've looked like a winning team. And to me, that should be good enough, especially when you see what other organizations have to deal with. So I need to have a little bit of a uh, recalibration with the fan base, if you will, coming up on the other side. And again, you can get in at 610-632-0975. Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord, back after this here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Round and round, round they go. 724 Tuesday evening here, 97.5 The Fanatic Studios in beautiful Ballot-Kenwood. Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord with you here. Stat Menark back there on the board doing a great job getting us all the numbers we need, playing some audio for us. Appreciate everyone tuning in, taking some time out of this Tuesday uh, to listen in to what's been some interesting Eagles talk so far. Uh, some interesting stuff from a couple of our callers on whether or not we should be concerned with Jalen Hurts and uh, how the evaluation of this team should be through the first three weeks. It's a 3-0 and team, but this is Philadelphia. I mean, there's always going to be interesting things. and There's always going to be people upset with different parts of how the Eagles got there. I mean, let's remember, last year, it took people a while to come around to the fact that that team was a juggernaut. It took till probably about week five or six, I want to say, not for people to start believing in the team, but for people to be like, oh, no, that's right. They're just going to smoke everybody. And I know they lost to the Washington Commanders. It was a game they shouldn't have lost. And the other two games they lost in the regular season were without Jalen Hurts. But uh, I think by the time we got to, like, the Texans game, uh, which was in the midst of the World Series, and, like, nobody watched it because everyone was watching Philly's Astros. Correct. By the time we got to that point, it was we don't even need to watch them play the Texans because we know that game's over before they even get on the plane. Like it, We got to that point last year, but it took a little bit of time. So I'm not blaming anybody. But... I want to get into the third thing that I laid out in our opening segment, which is kind of a recalibration for the fan base. Do you ever have one of those things back in like middle school or high school, Tom, the smart boards, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it was the whiteboard where you used like, it was like a computer screen though. Yes. Yes. And then there was that fun thing you get to do. It was like you had to recalibrate it every once in a while. So the touch was in the right spot. Uh, okay. So there were little like uh, crosshairs that showed up and you just had to take a pen and you had to hit each one of them in the middle. So it knew, like, so it drew where it was supposed to. Sure. Yeah. I probably did. I don't remember. Exactly. Oh, well, it was the most fun thing. When you were the kid who got to get called up to recalibrate, it was like playing a game in school. It was stupid. But it was, as a kid, it was like, awesome. I get to go up to the smart board. Uh, but you do that to kind of recalibrate it, to make sure that you're on point with where you want to be. I think we need to do that as fans every once in a while. We get caught up in the day-to-day, in the week-to-week, and I think sometimes we need a recalibration of how we should be viewing these teams. Uh, I know we take criticism well here in Philadelphia, so I'm sure this is going to go over well. But we need to come to terms with the fact that successful seasons don't all look the same. And they're not all 100% go out and smoke everybody. Like, that's just not what it is, especially not in a sport like football. Uh, it's, it's the any given Sunday thing. It's true. It's a truthful notion about how the NFL exists. I mean, you just saw the Dallas Cowboys lose to the darn Arizona Cardinals, who should be actively tanking for Caleb Williams, but Jonathan Gannon can't even do that right, and he ends up beating Dallas. I mean, thanks for getting that done, Johnny, but at the same time, like that's what a lot of teams or a lot of people would call the worst team in football, beating what a lot of people might have called the best team in football to that point. Yep. 
Who knows? Like anything can happen. So it's not going to look perfect. And you're not going to go 17 and 0 most likely. And even if you do, no team's ever gone 16, 17 and 0 and won the Super Bowl. The Dolphins, who did it back in the 70s, right after a man got put on the moon, did it in like 12 games and then the playoffs. So it, it just it doesn't happen. There's too many games, there's too much parity. You have to understand that the expectations being high doesn't mean that we can treat every individual game or if it's the Phillies, every individual series, like it's the Super Bowl or the World Series. So I I just, I look at it and I say that the higher expectations for a lot of teams in this city, the Sixers are one of them. Now those have diminished over the past couple of seasons because of everything going on with Ben Simmons and then James Harden and then collapses in the second round, all that stuff. We don't need, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Sixers soap opera when their season begins. It's right around the corner, by the way, folks. Uh, But with the Phillies going to the World Series, with the Eagles going to the Super Bowl, the expectations really quick shifted from let's make the playoffs, let's put together good seasons, let's see what we got to, oh, championship contention window, win it all, or there's going to be a portion of this fan base that's disappointed. And I think it's fair to have those ultimate expectations, but I think it's led to us being more critical than we should be watching very, very good teams in this city. So when I look at a 3-0 and record for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I look at them being 3-0 and in consecutive seasons for the first time in our lifetime, I think 92-93 was the last consecutive seasons that the Eagles started out 3-0. and Like, this is something that doesn't happen very often. And yet, we've taken calls on people saying, Jalen Hurts needs to be better. The passing offense needs to be better. The play calling needs to be better. The defensive backfield needs to be better. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. But I'm saying that you need to be prepared to accept the fact that great expectations doesn't always mean great individual games. We need to be able to go in and say that every win, regardless of how pretty or ugly it looks, is a step closer to the ultimate goal. If they start losing, we're going to have a much different conversation. But to this point, I think that we're still being a little bit more critical on the Eagles than we should be because the expectations are so high. Is that fair? Am I being too unfair to the fan base? Am I being too soft? Is this new generation Philadelphia? Or am I on point here, Tom? No, I, I think you're right. Like, I think, I think there's something to be said for having conversations and keeping things in the back of your mind, right? And evaluating things and saying, hey, if this isn't better, this team, there's a chance that this team doesn't have the same finish or same season as a whole and doesn't have the finish that we want that we didn't get last season, right? Like, I think that's fair. I think it's okay to not be just uh, pom-poms and green goggles the entire time, right? I think it's okay to question things and look at things differently sometimes. But what I do not enjoy is the overreaction, where when it is a 3-0 and football team and we act like the sky is falling. Like, I don't like that at all. I don't think what I've said tonight has acted like the sky is falling. What I've No, said tonight, not at all. This was not a subtweet of you. No, 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 I know that. I know that. But it's just like, I mean, Shuna says it all the time, too. It's like... It's such a you, – you, anytime you say something, any type of, like, negativity towards Hurts, we're like, hey, he doesn't look as good as he looked last season. It's hater, 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 right? Like, right. that's just how it is. It doesn't have to be an extreme like that. No, like, we can look at things. We can evaluate things. We can see, hey, Jalen Hurts needs to be better. He does, flat out. But it doesn't matter right now because it's still so early on in the season because he's had a lack of preseason, because that there is a new play caller, and because the team is 3-0, and that that is okay. So, you know, I just don't like the overreaction of yeah. all of this. I'll, I'll give you an example because this is not just me saying, oh, you fans need to be better. 
This is also an internal look because I've done this before and I learned the hard way. Back in 2017, the Philadelphia Eagles went on the road to play the Seattle Seahawks. It was the game right before they played the Rams when Carson Wentz got injured. They ended up staying out on the West Coast and practicing out there at like the Angels Stadium or something. Because I remember someone was using Mike Trout's locker and that was some cool story because he's an Eagles fan. Uh, But that game against the Seahawks was ugly. Horrible. They got smoked. They didn't look good at all. And I remember, because I was living in Jersey at the time, I had just gotten done college, so I was uh, living back home, hadn't moved out yet. And I was... Absolutely. I'm mad I'm not still freeloading. Mom, you have my room ready because I might have to move back. No, Uh, but my mom was getting mad at me because I'm screaming my head off at the TV. This, that, and the other thing. Yeah, your poor mother, because I've watched multiple games with you. Your poor mother. I like to yell a little bit. Yeah. But I'm getting upset, and I run upstairs, and I'm sitting in my room stewing after. makes me sound like a petulant child, but I kind of was acting like one. And I'm like, I can't believe it. I had such high expectations for this team. They go out and do that, and they don't have it, and they can't play a game like that and expect us to think they can win the Super Bowl. And, well, we know how that one ends. They go out the next week. They smoke the Rams, but they lose Carson Wentz in the process. And then Nick Foles goes on one of the great runs ever. I got caught up in the individuality of games without focusing on the quality of the team. And it made me more upset than I needed to be about a one-off bad performance. And we haven't even seen a one-off bad performance from the Eagles so far this year. We've seen three wins. And we're looking down the barrel of a couple more easy games before you play the Miami Dolphins in, what is it, week seven? Yes. So just take some advice from me who made a dumb mistake when I was getting upset about that Seahawks game back in 2017. You can be critical of individual games. But what we can't do is we can't turn criticism based on championship expectations into this team stinks, this player stinks, Jalen Hurts isn't as good as we thought he was. I'll tell you what. Right now in Cincinnati, that fan base is watching Joe Burrow have a terrible start to the season. And I'll tell you what no rational Bengals fan is saying. They are not saying, wow, did we mess up by paying Joe Burrow? Now, they're going to be upset they've had the start to the year that they've had. They're going to be upset that they are not looking at a record that they want to be looking at. They might even have questions about the season as a whole, but they're not saying the player stinks. They're saying he's been bad to this point and we need to figure out how to get him back to the way he was. But that's the thing, right? From the outside looking in, it's easy to see that. Sometimes you get caught up and you don't see the forest through the trees when it's your team. You want to see Jalen Hurts win an MVP. You want to see him throw for 40 touchdowns this year. You want to see him become the next Patrick Mahomes, so he can go toe-to-toe with Kansas City uh, every time that they get there. But it's not necessarily a realistic expectation. It doesn't mean they can't win. So you have to find a way to balance the championship expectations with the proper evaluation of the steps that come before it. Is that fair enough? I do. I do think that's fair enough, Look, I think I say it all the time. um, Bad games happen, bad drives happen, bad series happens, all that stuff, right? It is a long season in every single sports league, obviously, right? Whether yes. it's a 162-game baseball season, whether it's a 17-game NFL season, right? You're going to have some downs. There's right. going to be some ups and downs. Downs are included in that conversation. What you have to look out for and when you can start to overreact is when things become a pattern. When we see a pattern, when we get multiple poor outings in a row, when we get multiple blown saves in a row, then it can become something that we can legit be worried about. But after the the last, what, 
21 games that I've seen Jalen Hurts play where they are 20 and 1 in those games, you have the no games concerns. that Jalen Hurts play. Zero yeah. concerns. I have very little concerns. <laughs> I tried about to get the, you there. No, you're not going to get it. Very little concerns about what I've seen so far, and especially when it comes to the Jalen Hurts thing, real quick. I'm never going to get the Super Bowl out of my head, and not for a negative reason, for a positive reason, dude, right. because you saw on the biggest stage Jalen Hurts go toe-to-toe and maybe outplay Patrick Mahomes in that moment. Like, if that dude did that on that stage, that's still in there no matter what. So I will never be able to get that out of my head. So, yes, I don't think you're out of line by saying what you said. Fair enough. And I want you guys to hear this real quick, and then we'll get back to the phone. 610-632-0975. I would love to hear from you about the expectations for the season and how they how you think they're affecting you week to week as a fan and your evaluation of this team. But I want to just remind you, it's early, okay? It's three weeks in, and nobody should be making grand sweeping proclamations about at least this Eagles team. You could say stuff like the 49ers are good. You could say stuff like the Bears are terrible. Like some things you can be comfortable with saying. But for this Eagles team and what we've seen so far, unless you're saying they're a good quality football team that's won three games and look on par with what other good teams in the NFL look like, I don't think you should be making huge proclamations about this team. And Nick Sirianni spoke post-game last night a little bit about why that's the case. It's a growth process. We're not a final product yet. No one, no one, no one let me rephrase that. Everybody wants us to be a final product now, but it's a growth. You want to grow every day. And so we're not going to be playing our best football until we get going into the season. We still got things to, to work on. We still got growth to do. If you're truly in the mindset of getting better every day, right, if you're truly in that mindset of getting better every day, which I know that we are on this team, you're going to continue to rise and you're going to keep getting better. And so, you know, are we playing our best offensive football right now? No, but we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be yet. And and it's a growth. And and so, and and all the teams are growing. No one's playing the best football that they they should be playing right now, uh, you know? And so, you know, I'm pleased with where we are. Now, I said it last night, but if you missed post-game show last night, um, check out the Fanatic Birds post-game show with me and Tom, by the way. I'd like to say we do a great job. Uh, but you can decide for yourself by listening in. We'll have you after the Birds take on the uh, Commanders, the first 1 o'clock Sunday game of the year coming up this Sunday. First of three. Don't and, get used to it, buddy. Yeah, right. But uh, it'll be nice to be back in that rhythm for once. But um, uh, my first response to that, real quick, and just kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek thing, well, one team's playing as as good as offense as they want to be playing right now. I don't know if uh, Nick Sirianni missed the 70-point performance by the Dolphins. Uh, but yeah, I'd say they're uh, they're playing pretty damn well right Other now. Other than two teams in the NFL, the Dolphins and the 49ers. Right. Like no one is clicking on all cylinders. When it, it comes, exactly, especially in the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying it's funny to make that comment when a team puts up 70 yes, that day immediately after. Yeah, but uh, at, at the same time, and also maybe he didn't like he might not have seen it. He might not have known that the Dolphins put up 70. What? Well, because that game was uh, that was a, that was poor- a Sunday game though. Uh, and then the Eagles play Monday. So he probably at least heard about it, you know? Oh, like, you're right. It was Monday yeah, night. Never yeah, yeah. mind. But no, still, he did regardless. see it. I'm an idiot. I get my days mixed Who knows up. how much he was paying attention to it, though, because he's getting ready for the game. Nah, I'm sure he knew. Bottom, I'm just busting his stones a little bit on that. His point stands, though. It's week three. Like, they're not expecting to be playing their best football at this time. Nick Sirianni's not going to go and be like, well, why haven't we become a perfect product? They're not a finished product. Last year... They got lucky that they not only had an easy schedule, but they could carry over 
their offensive scheme from the year before, their defensive scheme from the year before. A lot of players get better. Bring in A.J. Brown. Uh, have a second year of Devontae Smith. Have an offensive line continuity that was great. Have an outstanding defense. Plug in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Like Bring in James Bradbury. Have all these guys to help that team get better. They had the opportunity to bring in veteran players to and keep the same coordinators. This year, a lot of the players they brought in have either been younger players or rookies, and they're bringing them into schemes that everybody's learning. This is not the time of year where teams are going to be firing on all cylinders. As I sneeze, sorry, I'm not firing on all cylinders. I must have caught the flu from Jalen Hurts somehow. Uh, yeah. But no, Nick Sirianni's point stands. It's just not the time of year where you should be expecting them to be the football team that you want to see them come January and February. Have that in the back of your mind while you evaluate this team. And any criticism you have, understand that that's also part of the equation. 610-632-0975. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Chuck in New York who's been waiting patiently. Chuck, you're on 97.5 The Fanatic. I completely agree that I think it's a fair assessment. Like, nothing is a finished product yet. Um, Quick note, the music coming out of the break, I once performed Tupac's I Get Around at a middle school talent show. Really? How'd that go over? Did not go over very well. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, all right. I'm sure you killed it. I did, actually. But uh, here's the two things. One, going back to your first point, I do like this year's line more just because we're like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter together. I mean, to think that we might have that for a decade straight, I mean. That'd be pretty cool. You know, they are absolutely dominant. Like, and the fact that they ran the ball on the one-yard line against that defensive front, like, are you kidding me? No chance. Um, The main reason I called was a good friend of mine, uh, Joe, out in Spring Lake, New Jersey. I was driving into work today. And he was like, you know, the one thing that catches my, that that shocks me is that the fact that the Lions drafted Jameer Gibbs not only gave us Jalen Carter, but it also gave us DeAndre Swift. Yeah, you're you're right. Joe's right. I mean, shout out, shout out to the uh, NFC North. And yes, shout out to your friend Joe. But you look at it and you just say, okay, well, the Bears didn't draft Carter. You go ahead and get him. The Lions didn't draft Carter because they wanted Gibbs, which allowed them to trade you DeAndre Swift. Uh, like, yeah, it's awesome. And they didn't even start Gibbs. No, I, I mean, they've been giving the ball to David Montgomery before he got hurt. And, uh, yeah, the Lions are, they still have to get the drafting figured out, but I do like the makeup of that team. No, it's a it's a good point by your buddy Joe, and thank you for conveying that to us, Chuck, and appreciate the call, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, this is the thing. Every year it seems, too, that the Eagles are getting, they're exploiting other teams in football. Correct. They're stealing lunch money. Howie Roseman, now, all due respect to Howie, love Howie. He's created a juggernaut football team in my city, and for that I will always be thankful. But I have to imagine the middle school dynamic for Howie Roseman was not him being the guy that holds somebody upside down by their ankles and shakes their lunch money out of the pocket. Probably not. It might have been the other way around. Probably. But in the NFL world, Howie Roseman's the big bad bully who wants the extra carton of chocolate milk, and he says, okay, buddy, empty out the pockets. And you end up with A.J. Brown. You end up with DeAndre Swift. You end up with Jalen Carter. You end up with Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith. Who, Nolan Smith? A little bit of an impact last night. Yeah, we love that play on Baker. He'd been quiet, but he rolls back around, and he puts some pressure on Baker Mayfield. Uh, Yeah, I mean, 
it's an outstanding job by Howie to get the Eagles to where they want to be at this point. And that's the thing. We trust the quality of the roster. We trust the head coach. We trust the quarterback. Keep that trust. That's the other thing that's important. You have these championship expectations for a reason. And unless, knocking on wood there, unless anything major happens in the injury sphere, you're going to continue to have those expectations. Like, this team didn't just all of a sudden change overnight. You have the same players. They're going to be the same guys. You have the same coaches. Like, at the end of the day, they're going to prove to you why they have these expectations. And short of injury, there's not going to be much to stop them. What, and to Chuck's point, what Howie Roseman is so good at is finding value and finding value where other teams aren't finding that same value, right? So, like, that's why you're able to bring in a guy like DeAndre Swift for a fourth-round pick. CJGJ was what? A fifth rounder, I believe. James Bradbury, you sign off the street, right? Like going up and only trading a third round pick to, I believe, third or fourth to get up and go draft, jump up one spot to make sure that you get Jalen Carter. Like a lot of teams are just done with these players, right? Ah, they're on last year, their deal. We're not going to resign them. We have to get rid of them, right? That's when Howie Roseman swoops in. That's when he's at his best. And that is a fantastic thing to have. Uh, to have as a trait if for your general manager or your football team. It certainly is. I mean, it's the best trait to have, and Howie Roseman's got it in spades. 610-632-0975 is how you jump in that conversation we were having about the way you're evaluating this season uh, compared to the expectations that you had coming in. And if you think that's skewed, we're trying to do a recalibration there. Uh, but speaking of recalibrating, sometimes players have to do that over the course of a season. And turnarounds happen for good players all the time. If you have a player that you think might stink and he comes out and he does stink, well, you're not waiting for him to get things right or expecting for him to get things right. But if you have a player that's proven that they're good over a period of a season, over a period of a couple seasons in their career, over a collegiate career, it's right to give that player some time to turn around their performance. And we should learn from that because we saw it happen with a couple Philadelphia Phillies this year. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and what we need to learn from the Philadelphia Phillies season to kind of protect us from doing the same thing for the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts and some other guys on this team. So we'll get into that coming up. 610-632-0975. Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord, back after this here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. on uh, this Tuesday evening. Connor Thomas and Tom Alvord with you here live on 97.5 The Fanatic. And I want to let you know, of course, Tom, we got the Fanatic deal of the week I want to tell you about. It's a great one. I love this one. You can save big with the Fanatic's deal of the week. Get two tickets to the Bates Motel for just 50 bucks. You'll experience terror like never before at haunted attractions like an award-winning hayride, a frightening cornfield, and the infamous Bates Motel. Check out this exclusive offer now at 975thefanatic.com, keyword deal. So go ahead and uh, check that all out. Uh, They do great work over there at the Bates Motel when it comes to scaring the ever-living daylights out of you. So go ahead and check it out if you're into that whole haunted house thing. I love those. Uh, They're in the right uh, industry then. I'll tell you that much. Yes, they are. Um, So... Something else I love is when players make turnarounds and adjustments over the course of a season. So let's look a little bit at your Philadelphia fight and fills and see if there's anything we can learn. 
from this Philly season, which is coming near to completing the regular season, at least, and then discuss it in the vein of the Philadelphia Eagles. Because right now there may be people who are worried about Hassan Reddick's performance to this point or lack of any type of performance. There may be people who are worried about Jalen Hurts' performance to this point. Uh, There are other players to a lesser extent. Guys like Brandon Graham, who you might be looking at and saying, okay, is it it finally time that he's starting to go through his uh, old age, I guess, regression? He's not old age compared to a normal person, but compared to a normal football player, he's on the back end of his career and has been for a little bit. Like, there are guys out there that we haven't seen as much from them this year as we expected through three games. So I'll point you to a couple of Phillies. First of all, let's look at Trey Turner, right? Trey Turner came out and was terrible through a lot of this season. And then standing ovation, whatever you want to credit it to. Now, I think the standing ovation undoubtedly had an effect on his psyche. But either way, he completely turned it around and got to a point where he was playing outstanding baseball in an important stretch for the Philadelphia Phillies. And as they head into the postseason, he's been slumping a little bit lately. But he's become a much more important and valuable piece of this team compared to what he was at the start of the season. If there was anyone out there that was looking at Trey Turner and said, this guy's washed and why did we pay him and uh, don't love the contract or anything like that, I bet you feel pretty dumb watching Trey Turner bat like 370 over the course of three weeks. Like, yeah, give these guys with track records a chance to turn things around. Nick Castellanos was your only position player who was an all-star this year. He's had a great, great season. He's over 100 RBIs. He's going to end up with some career highs in numbers for himself. And last year, people wanted to run him out of town. And I'm not saying that's unfair criticism, right? I'm not saying don't be critical of players who are not performing. I'm saying that it's important to separate criticism of the moment over criticism of the entire picture. Like Nick Castellanos sucked last year. But you have the foresight to say, His track record says he's got a chance to bounce back. We're going to believe in him being a big piece for this team still. And he comes out and he shows you that in this year's season. Trey Turner, he's, as John Hamm told us, slump proof. Now, it turns out that's not factual. But we know why that was said about him when the Phillies signed him. Because to that point in his career, he'd been basically an automatic 300 hitter and all this good stuff. And... Turns out both those guys turned it around and became the player we thought they were going to be. Jalen Hurts does not have the track record of Trey Turner or Nick Castellanos when it comes to longevity, but when it comes to peak-level performance, he absolutely does. He was the second-best player in all of football last year. And in the biggest game, you can argue that he was the best player on that field when it comes to the Super Bowl, including the fumble. Like, even with that factored in, He did what he needed to do for his team to have a look at beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The defense needed to make a play. They didn't. The special teams needed to make a punt. They did not cover that punt. Uh, That's the thing. Like, stuff went differently. But Jalen Hurts has shown you in the 2022 season performance that he can be this guy. So let's learn from the Phillies season a little bit. It doesn't mean that we can't say when Jalen Hurts throws a bad interception that it wasn't a bad interception. Like, you can absolutely be critical of games and you could be critical of throws, and you could have some concerns like Tom has. Now, I don't have any because I'm trusting the track record completely. But let's learn from what you saw with the Philadelphia Phillies and know that turnarounds happen for good players. And Jalen Hurts has earned enough stock in the city with what he did last year 
for us to believe he's going to be fine, regardless of the turnovers through the first couple games, the lack of passing yards and touchdowns through the first couple games. I mean, it's going to be absolutely fine for Jalen Hurts. And sometimes, again, when you have the championship aspirations, you get caught up in it. But the Eagles have gotten off to a way better start than the Phillies had, even with that Trey Turner struggles. Like, I mean, the Jalen Hurts struggles have not slowed down the Eagles. Like, the Trey Turner struggles slowed down the Phillies. You're still – you're 3-0. and That Phillies team, we're looking like they weren't going to make the playoffs. This Eagles team is one of three undefeated teams in football and leading their division. We had, com- we had a conversation one time, and I will never forget it, when someone, a caller or a tweeter, brought it up about trading at the deadline, about selling at yes. the deadline this year. It was that bad for the Philadelphia Phillies at one point. Thankfully, they pulled themselves out of it. Right, absolutely, and I get it. The Eagles are a better quality team on the NFL's la- landscape than the Phillies are on the Major League Baseball landscape. But the whole process is the same, right? I hate using the word process for that. Trust because, it. Yeah, no, I'm good. At this point, I'm not trusting anything. But the process of evaluating players over the course of a season doesn't change. If you have a player that you've seen play really well in the past in Jalen Hurts, and you trust the makeup of that player, and you trust the coaches around that player, well then, even if you have questions through three weeks, you shouldn't have concerns about the long-term success of the team. That's all I'm saying, and I think it's an important crossover lesson to learn with what we've seen with the Philadelphia Phillies. On top of that, there's so much stuff that the Eagles could continue to do better that is kind of Jalen Hurts adjacent, but not dependent on Jalen Hurts. Like, you brought this up, Tom, when we were talking about the show tonight before we came on. They're just starting to scratch the surface of what DeAndre Swift can be. He is a pass-catching running back. And because Hurts hasn't been great in the passing game, we haven't seen as much of DeAndre Swift through the air. It's also because you've kind of gotten into situations where you can pound the football and beat teams because you get up early and the quality of your opponent is not, not that great. And the defense has been playing really well. But DeAndre Swift can be even better than what you're seeing right now in total impact. Not running the football. He's about as good as he's ever going to be running the football right now. I mean, 175. We think. Plus 130. What is that? 300. 305. Yes. Yes. 305 yards in two games. Pretty darn good. Not bad. Yeah, Yeah. we'll absolutely take that. But my point is uh, he can impact the game more. And you brought this up of how the passing game and using him could make this offense even more dangerous than we're seeing. Like it's a better chance this Eagles team is getting better and they're 3-0. and Then they're 3-0 and and they're going to have some type of stretch where they look worse. Five catches for 14 yards this season from DeAndre Swift. And you could argue that is the best part of DeAndre Swift's game, his pass-catching ability. This is a guy who caught 48 passes last year, 62 the year before, and then 46 in his rookie year. 62 passes. The Philadelphia Eagles haven't had anyone over 50 since Miles Sanders' rookie year, and before that was Darren Sproles back in 2016. Like, that's the kind of player that DeAndre Swift is, and we haven't even seen any part of that in his game this season, and he's still having that good of a season, right? So you're correct. Like, this team, potentially, and I think a lot of people do believe this with the Philadelphia Eagles, man, they're just scratching the surface. We don't have N'Kobe Dean back yet, right? Like, Zach Cunningham, I think, has done a very good job. Morrow had a nice play yesterday for the safety. Nicobe Dean, they trust in him being the best uh, linebacker on this team. He's not here yet for you. That's true. You're not getting the production that you've seen from 
Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick that we've been expecting this season. And on the offensive, offensive side of the ball, excuse me, you are barely scratching the surface on that because you're not even nearly where we thought they would be at this point in the season. Because Jalen Hurts of, hasn't been quite as good. Dallas no. Goddard's been basically non-existent, even though they've tried to get the ball to him more in weeks two and three. Like, he hasn't done much of anything for you this year. They haven't looked like a outstanding offense in anything but the ability to possess the ball and run it like crazy. And that's an important part of the game. But you're right, dude. There's just so much more this team can be better at. And that's where I think the criticism comes in. There's two ways to look at it. You can look at it as there's so many places where this team should be better. Why are they not? I choose to look at it the other way. There's so many places this team can be be better. And they're 3-0, including a short week victory and two road games against two tough defensive coaches. Hell, if they figure this out... This team's going to be monstrous. So, I mean, I feel very, very good about that. And uh, that's the way I choose to view it. And how do you think that the rest of the NFL is viewing this Philadelphia Eagles football team right now? Like, not like the fans, not the haters or anything like that. How do you think the NFL is viewing this Eagles team? Do you think that they're viewing it teams like the Cowboys, teams like the Giants, teams like, I don't know, the Jaguars, even out there in Jacksonville, a team that might not even see the Philadelphia Eagles this year? Do you think they're viewing the Philadelphia Eagles as, uh oh, look at Jalen Hurts? Last year was a fluke. This team's going to be nothing. Or do you think they're viewing it as, oh, this team hasn't even played their A game yet, maybe not even their B game yet, and they're 3-0, and and the sky is the limit. It's probably the latter, right? So, right. like, everyone outside of Philadelphia, and I'm not saying everybody in Philadelphia is, because I know a lot of us are positive right now with the Philadelphia Eagles, but I think if you look at it from a NFL viewpoint, how the rest of the league, how the rest of these teams view the Philadelphia Eagles, it's the latter of, like, oh, this team can be scary good, and they're not even scratching the surface yet. Yeah, if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator or opposing head coach, I'm saying Jalen Hurts isn't even in the equation right now because we could take Jalen Hurts away and it won't even matter. Like, it's tough to take him away. But even if we do that, they're just going to run the ball down our throats. So I'm not looking at Jalen Hurts. I'm I'm looking at, okay, how do we stop this run game? And then if teams start focusing on that, that will potentially open up the opportunity for Jalen Hurts to not be as focal pointed in opposing teams. Like, this is good for Jalen Hurts that DeAndre Swift is running the ball so well and the offensive line is doing so well because eventually defensive coordinators are going to stop game planning as much for Hurts and say, okay, well, he hasn't been as effective through the air, but the Eagles are still winning. Defensive coordinators do not come into the Philadelphia Eagles games and say, we're going to make Jalen Hurts look bad. They're trying to win games. And at some point, if Jalen Hurts isn't looking his best, but the Eagles are still winning football games, the focus is going to have to shift to stopping the running game. And those are the times where you're going to have to see Jalen Hurts be very good and earn the money he got paid this offseason and look like the guy last year. And there will be points when that happens. And that's another reason why I feel like he's going to be able to turn it around and get this offense on the right page. So one thing I'd love to hear from you at 610-632-0975. What percentage do you think this offense is firing on right now? Like, how much more do they have to go to reach their full potential? Because for me, I'd be saying probably about 60% right now is what I'm saying this offense is firing on. I think they could be a lot better in the passing game. Uh, I think the running game could even be better when it comes to the short yardage. Now, the tush push is unstoppable, but running between the tackles hasn't been as good. DeAndre Swift's been all right with that, but... I look at it as like some bounce out run. And it's not the wrong thing, right? He's making a lot of moves outside the tackles. But I'm talking when you get third and three 
if I want the Eagles to pick up a first down, I feel a lot better about them trying to do it through the air right now. And I think that's, that's not necessarily the right way to approach it or the best way to, you should be able to do both. I'm trying to get to sure. I'm going with about 60, maybe 65% uh, quality of firing for the Eagles offense. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I've kind of, juggled back and forth with how I want to go with this because like the run game has been fantastic. Right. And I think it could be better in the fact of, Hey, maybe we stop with this. Hey, let's see who gets hot kind of thing. And let's split these carries a little bit and let's just feed the ball to our best running back on the team, which is obvious. It's DeAndre Swift. Well, at this moment, eventually we're going to have to have the conversation about health. Sure. Absolutely. But I'm not there yet. We're we're three games into this season, right? If we start for halfway through and it's obvious DeAndre Swift is fantastic, you're in like an eight and two record, then yeah, we can have the conversation about saving carries. Keep giving carries to Kenny Gainwell to minimize the risk on Swift because if you can win games with Gainwell getting 20% of the touches out of the backfield, 30% of the touches, you could still feature DeAndre Swift, but you don't have to wear him down. Stuff like that. That's easy to do when you've been ahead, which they have, but what happens in those games where it's a tight game? Game and you're really going to, you know, you're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Exactly. So you only have one running back that you really want to rely on. That's got to be on be DeAndre Swift. Kenny right? Gaines can catch the ball out of the backfield. Sure, for sure. Not as well as DeAndre Swift. No. Well, it doesn't seem like he's doing much as well as DeAndre Swift right now. I don't think anyone in football is doing as well as DeAndre Swift right now. Besides that the, guy out in San Francisco. Yes, he's not, t- he's not too shabby, that guy. But yeah, no, like the running backs, they are fantastic. A great start to the season. I think the offensive line has made a lot of growth in the last couple weeks. Like week one, they were okay, right? But I think they've gotten a lot better. So it's tough because you've seen the flashes, of course, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. But you've also seen stuff that we, or excuse me, we haven't seen stuff that we saw last year, right? With Jalen Hurts, him looking comfortable with Dallas Goddard getting as many targets as he needs, right? With the red zone efficiency from this football team, where this year they ranked 25th in red zone efficiency when it comes to touchdowns being scored. That's something that we didn't see last year, right? So, yeah, I think 60, 65% is probably a good answer. And a good part of these problems is, like, they're fixable because we think Jalen Hurts is going to get a lot better, and we feel really good about that. Right. And Brian Johnson can only get better, too, right, as the season goes along. So those third downs, uh, efficiency is going to be, get, be getting better. That red zone efficiency is going to be getting better. These are things that are fixable things, fixable traits to a football team, which is a good sign for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, by the way, going back to the phones here just a second, 610-632-0975. That bell you heard uh, Matt drop back there. Uh, Brandon Marsh hit a home run to break up a no-hitter in a 0-0 game in the sixth inning for the Phillies. So, fills up one nothing. That's a good thing. Uh, let's go back to the phones and talk to Jay in Roxborough. Jay, you're on 97.5 The Fanatic. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Good. good. I, I know a lot of people are panicking, but, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, guys like the guys that they say are better than um, Jalen Hurts, uh, Mahomes, Allen, mm-hmm. Herbert, uh, Lawrence, you know, um, Patrick Mahomes opened the season with a loss. Correct. You know, and the last couple of games I watched uh, with him, you know, he he doesn't really look all that great like he's in mid-season form. No, nah, their win over Jacksonville, I mean, if Jacksonville finds the end zone, that game's yeah. tight. It, it's yeah. just he doesn't look great so far. Right. Well, and, he looked good I against think, Chicago, but Chicago stinks. Exactly. You know, Justin Herbert, you know, you know, up and down, horrible. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, up and down, horrible. He lost these- to Zach Wilson week one. Yeah, exactly. You know, so as far as the panic is concerned about uh, Jalen Hurts, <laughs> if you look at our schedule, it's it's set up for a team that did not uh, play in the preseason. Uh, uh, um, 
Jalen didn't play in the preseason. Right. So these first five, six games, these these teams that we played, this was a good preseason for us in a lot of ways to yeah. kind of work out the kinks, you know. And I'm I'm just like all those quarterbacks that I named. I can see Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, getting on track and getting back into his rhythm, just like those other quarterbacks. So I would say around week six, we should get all these things out, all this bad blood out. Out yeah, way. I, we should be okay by then. I'm with you, Jay, because you need it before you play Miami. But to this point, the schedule gives you the opportunity. Now, I'll ask you the question I just asked Tom. So, like, what percentage do you think the offense is firing on uh, to you? So, like, 100%, they're perfect. They could not be playing better. Kind of like where the Dolphins are at, putting up 70 points on the uh, on the Broncos this weekend. Uh, 0% obviously being the team's terrible. Fly, uh, fire everybody, trade everybody. Like, what percentage do you think they're at? That's a hard question only because uh, – and I hear I understand what you're saying with that question. I'm I'm just looking at the fact that we're taking what's given to us and yeah. the run is there for us and we're taking it. So the run looks good. I would say we might be functioning at 70, 70% right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I, w- I would if I put a percentage on it, I would say 70. All right, yeah. I'll take that, Jay. Man, I appreciate the call. Thanks, you man. have a good rest of your Tuesday. Uh, one yeah. little thing, one pushback. Uh, he is correct. We're right. Like we've seen the inconsistencies from Mahomes, Allen, uh, Trevor Lawrence. That is true. We've also seen those it games from those guys so far this season. Sure. Right. We have not seen that yet from Jalen Hurts. We are three and zero. We are in a better spot than a lot of those teams. Right. Than I think all of those teams. We have not seen that it game from Jalen Hurts yet. We've seen that it game from Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and from Justin Herbert. We have. That's the only difference. Right. So we're still waiting for that game. But everything else he said is correct. No, I got you. And I thought this week was going to be the game. And then it rains and Jalen Hurts has flu-like symptoms. Like, that can't be uh, taken out of the equation. Like, this could have been a game where they had the opportunity to do that and just the weather wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And Jalen Hurts didn't feel great. I, I don't know. It could be any week. That's the other thing. This has been my fight with the darn Philadelphia Phillies all year long. It's not about whether or not they're doing it. It's about whether or not they're capable of doing it. Are any true Eagles fans who watched the 2022 season watching Jalen Hurts this year and saying that that it game is not a possibility? You shouldn't be. No. If that's your mindset. If you're thinking that, you're dead wrong. Correct. Now, it's not a guarantee it's going to happen, right? There could be a world where we're sitting here in week six and we're like, he still hasn't looked great at points and we haven't seen that it game. Like, it's not a 100% thing. Sports are weird. And they're difficult at the professional level. But you'd be insane to think that he's not capable of it at this point. Until we see it, you can ask for it. But what you can't do is call me and say he's not capable of it anymore. Oh, he's not good. Jalen Hurts is on pace for this many turnovers. and He's not. He's going to be the reason we're in trouble or this, that, and the other thing. And any of the good players on the Eagles, you should not be doing that right now. Through three games, you can ask to see more. But what you can't say is that they're not capable of more. And what you can't say also is that they're not capable of winning playing at the level they're playing at right now because they're 3-0 and and they're one of only three teams out of 32 that can say they're still undefeated in the NFL. Uh, it's just, it's not perfect, but it wasn't going to be. And it's about that separation of expectations again. 610-632-0975. Coming up on the other side... Uh, Jalen Carter, I told you already, I would take him over uh, Javon Hargrave this year. 
Like, maybe that's crazy. Maybe you're thinking, okay, you're taking a rookie over that guy who got a big contract with the 49ers and is having a nice year. Yeah, I am. My eye test is telling me that's great. Hassan Reddick, though, has been non-existent. Brandon Graham's been quiet a little bit. Jordan Davis has looked better. So here's my question on the other side we're going to dive into. Are the young guys on the defensive front good enough to make up for some of the bigger-name guys not having their best season? It's good to see that the Philadelphia Eagles have some young players that they've hit on in the draft. But is it good enough when the chips are down later on in the season to say these guys are ready to make up for the slack left by Hassan Reddick if he doesn't have his best year? Brandon Graham, if he has one of those, oh, he's looking older years, stuff like that. So we'll get into that on the other side. You can jump in, 610-632-0975. Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord, back after this here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. 97.5 The Fanatic. Eight twenty one Tuesday evening, Connor Thomas and Tom Alvord live with you here on ninety seven five the fanatic. We're running till ten PM. We got you with more Eagles talking a little update on the Phillies coming up a little bit later on. Been some fun conversation about the expectations for the birds and how you're taking in this season and where we stand mentally. Uh, honestly, that's the fun thing, right? There are a lot of fan bases out there, a lot of folks that work in the type of medium that we work in that are popping on microphones and saying, how do we improve this? How do we get winning football done in this sphere? How does this player improve their performance so we can make up for what we've missed? And we're doing some of that, but we're doing that from the standpoint of a 3-0 and football team, which makes it all the much sweeter. It really does. So keep that in mind as we have these discussions. These are good, productive discussions to have about a team that is playing winning football right now and could be doing even better than that. There are teams that would kill to have had the start to the season that the Philadelphia Eagles have had. And meanwhile, we have some parts of this fan base, some fans out there that are saying this stinks, that stinks, this needs to be better, that needs to be better. And in some cases, you're right. And in other cases, we need to just understand that where we've gotten to so far is the only spot you needed to be. You don't need to climb the mountain in one jump. One step at a time will get you there, and the Eagles have taken the first three steps without flaw when it comes to the record. 610-632-0975. I want to get into this conversation in just a second about the defensive line and some of the younger players, if they can make up for the older players. It's also going to have a bit of a Philly spin to it, too, as we get into that. But first, I want to go back to the phones, talk to Drew in Westchester. Drew, you're on 97.5 The Fanatic. Yo, Connor. How you doing, man? Been a while. Doing good. Yeah, it's been a minute. How you been, Drew? I'm good, buddy. Good. So, uh, yeah, my thoughts on the Eagles, you know, I, it's like, I know we haven't won the game like, you know, Miami did or, or like some other teams may do where they blow out a team from start to finish. I know it hasn't been pretty, but right. in the NFL, man, you know, a win is a win. I mean, any win is a good win come the NFL. And, uh, 
And I'll take these three wins. And I think, you know, the Eagles know that they can improve upon things. I know they'll get better. I was listening to, uh, it was an Aikman and, uh, Joe Buck, you know, and they were yeah. talking after the game about the Eagles last night. And they were saying the same thing, you know, like this, this team is just built for the long run. I mean, there's just not really, um, a weakness or, 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 you know, a lag anywhere, you know, in the armor, I think, you know, I mean, yeah, Jalen Hurts, I think will improve. I mean, he was, a, you know, he had some flu like symptoms last night. So obviously he fought through that, you know, so, you know, I think it's just going to be a, a continual trend where we just see this team continually get better from week to week. Are we going to maybe lose a fluky game? Yeah. I mean, it's possible that happens in the NFL, but I think, you know, we're, we're definitely built to, uh, to get to this, you know, the playoffs and make a serious, serious run like we did last year. I totally agree, man. Uh, now, I want to ask you, because we were getting into it a little bit earlier, when you look at the quarterback and the play of Jalen Hurts, what's your concern level with him to this point? Are you just focused on the winning like he wants us to be? And, like, we probably should be more focused on the fact that they're 3-0. and Or are you looking at it like saying, I don't love the interceptions. I want to see him throw the ball more effectively. I want to see him be on the same page as his receivers more. Like, how are you evaluating Jalen Hurts to this point? Yeah, I'd like to see a couple more, you know, big time plays where he hits guys down the field. I mean, I know that interception at the end there was just kind of a throw up. I mean, I'm not really too concerned about those. I mean, the one interception was kind of bad, but the, the second one, you know, I mean, that was whatever. I didn't really care about that one. So, uh, I mean, as long as it's not a continual trend where he's outweighing, you know, interceptions with touchdowns, then, yeah. then I'm a little bit concerned. So, but no, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, just, you know, air the ball out a little bit more, hit his guys downfield a little bit more. I mean, I know we got the run with DeAndre Swift going crazy. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I, I'd like to see some, you know, some trickery or just some, uh, some high octane plays too in the uh, repertoire yeah i i totally got you drew man we need to see the bigger more explosive plays and appreciate the call thanks man uh, good to talk to you good to hear from you again so i made this note when drew was talking because he brought up something interesting uh, he, he talked about the defense being stout and everything like that and how good they've been and how they're uh, controlling the game and stuff like that here's something that i think it goes back to that recalibration conversation we were having before about expectations for the fan base viewing a championship level team or a championship caliber team. When we came into this season, we expected the Eagles to win a certain way. And sometimes this is even for teams that are middle of the pack, but you, you look at a team and you say, okay, they're going to do this. You know, it kind of happened with the Phillies this year, a little bit too, where you expected the Phillies to come out and have a great offense and have to make up for the defense, not being great. Cause that's just not that how the team's built. And it turns out the offense didn't have the power or anything to start the year, and you had to win a different way. This Eagles team, coming into the season, the whole conversation, we talked about this on Sundays. Uh, we talked about this on Saturdays when we were working on the weekends together. It was, can this Eagles offense be good enough to outplay the fact that the defense is not going to be as good as last year? And we got so focused on how can the offense carry the defense. Buddy, this defense is insane through three games this year and I think we got so into the mindset of the offense has to be awesome because the defense isn't going to be as good but you can now look at it and say wow the defense is better than we thought so it gives the offense a little more room to not be firing on all cylinders and it also shows you how there's no certainties in professional sports right there's no guarantees in anything whether it become whether it's the major league baseball and the Philadelphia Phillies whether it's the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles right like you have you can 
do every single breakdown. You could be doing all this research, all this good stuff. You could be at every practice, and you could have all these thoughts, right? And guess what? They're going to change because it's the NFL, and There's the NFL is very weird. Jalen Hurts, anytime touchdown score, lock it in. Every game forever. The tush push is unstoppable. Did he score yesterday? Yes, he did. Yeah? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Why do I not remember that? I think he's, yeah, he scored. He's go, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the throw to uh, Zacchaeus, and he had the tush push. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, where they ran it twice. That's they right. ran that, it down like to the one. Yes. And was like, screw it, run it again. he missed on the first one and then got it on the second one. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes, that's right. That's why. Like, all right, cool. Um, yes, other than Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown or other than the tush push working because it always works, there are very few certainties in the NFL, and I think that's something that we learn. There's very few certainties in all sports, and that's something that it seems like we learn every single year and every single week at times. No, it's right. And the thing with recalibration is not just individual players, but it's how the team wins. We go into seasons with expectations of how teams are going to play. We go into expectations of what players are going to be good and what players are going to need to improve and this, that, and the other thing. And we get caught up on that. The reason that we have those conversations to begin with is that's what we need to see in order for teams to be successful in our minds before they start playing. And then they start playing games and you say, okay, well, if Jalen Hurts isn't performing up to those standards, your mind tells you you should be worried because you spent all offseason saying Jalen Hurts is our guy. But the defense has been much, much better than expected. They really have. Credit to Sean Desai for working through some injuries on his defensive front or the defensive side of the ball, not on the defensive front, but basically everywhere else. I mean, working through all kinds of trouble, uh, missing James Bradbury, missing Avante Maddox, missing Reed Blankenship, missing Nicobe Dean, all these guys going down early on in the season. Sean Desai has been outstanding as a defensive coordinator, and the defensive front has been insanely good as well, and that can allow you to look at Jalen Hurts' performance and say, okay, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't needed to be because his team's picking him up. And then you can start having the conversation about, well, how much better can they be when Jalen Hurts figures this out? Sean Desai has impressed the hell out of me this year, man. He really has. With all, as you mentioned, all the injury, injuries. And you could have an injury on the off or the defensive line that you could mention. Hassan Reddick, man, like that thumb obviously isn't right. So I'll count that. You think that. so? Do you I, point I think to the it thumb? has to be, man, because like there's no other reason why we t- – he has one tackle on the season. That it. That's it. That's his yeah. only statistic he has, right? And we haven't seen him in the backfield nearly as much as we saw last year. I think it's the thumb injury, a thumb for an edge rusher who needs to plant, needs to get the explosiveness off, right. right? I think that's bothering him a little bit. Obviously, the hand fighting that goes on. So I'll count that as an injury when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. So you can add that. You can have add down years from Reddick, down years from Graham, all the injuries to the linebackers and safeties, right, cornerback, and you're still in a good spot. And also, the fact that he made that switch to make James Bradbury go to the slot, like, that takes some cojones, right? I like, think it was the wrong choice, but yes, it, it worked, does. though, man. It I, worked. I, I guess. I, I mean, it did, Joe but you're also one, playing Baker Mayfield. Sure, but you're also playing Chris Godwin, one of the better slot receivers in the game of football, right? Yeah. And a lot of people would have made the decision to, hey, let's go with Mario Goodrich, see what he's got, let's not mess something up, and it worked yesterday. It I would have gone Job in the slot and Bradbury on the outside just to not move James Bradbury. But a lot of people wanted, and they didn't do it, and it worked. But they won. I didn't look at that as like, oh, easily the right choice. Like, there were some times where Bradbury didn't look natural inside and Job didn't look natural outside. Uh, so When you hold the team to, what, to three points through four quarters or going yeah, into four quarters? Like, listen, I'm it did not work. Here. I'm nitpicking here. Like, I know. I, I would have done it differently. But you got the result you needed to get. 
And that so, might be a week by week thing anyway, right? But just yeah. the fact that he made that decision, a lot of people would have just been stuck with the same, heard all the outside noise, maybe, ah, oh, you don't have to make the switch. No, he didn't make that switch and or he did make that switch, excuse me, and it ended up working on the scoreboard at least for the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's talk about the defensive line that uh Sean Desai has to work with. And you could jump in on this conversation, six one oh six three two zero nine seven five. So Jalen Carter is ed- as advertised, if not better. Like, this guy looks like a veteran, Pro Bowl caliber defensive lineman. He's insane. I'll say it a billion times, and I'll continue to say it. Like, he just jumps off the screen, and as an interior defensive lineman, I could probably count on one, maybe two hands, the guys that have done that around the NFL since I've been watching football, like, to the point where I can appreciate football. I'm not talking about, like, when I was eight. I'm saying, like, when I was old enough to understand the intricacies of the actual game. Yeah. Nine, nine was when I really broke through. I started play calling back when I was nine years old. Good job. I was uh, when I figured it out. Football guy, but the guys like Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, dudes like that, who just jump off the screen at you. Nadama Sue in his prime was another one of those guys. And I, I could go down the list, but it's rare to find an interior defensive lineman because they don't have the impact as far as sacks or anything like that. They're normally like, play stuffers you don't get the flash plays usually as often from an interior guy compared to the outside exactly so to have a guy like Jalen Carter who's jumping off the screen at you when you watch games like that that's a special talent and he's only going to get better that's a great thing to see Jordan Davis the discipline he must have had this offseason to get into the shape he's in this year is outstanding and Fletcher Cox talked about how he was constantly asking Jordan Davis what he's weighing and what he's doing, how much he's working out and stuff like that. It's good on Fletcher Cox to be a leader like that and check in on the young buck. But it's also credit to Jordan Davis for actually doing the work to keep up with it. He lived in the facility this offseason. He looks so much better than what we saw at points last year. And that's what you expect from a guy who was a first-round pick last season. So that's great to see from the young guys. But you just talked about Hassan Reddick, And if the thumb might be bothering, whatever it is, he's not performing to the level we saw last year through three games. Brandon Graham, not performing to the level we saw last year. Again, through three games. Do you have enough faith in the young guys on the defensive line? Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, when you look at Nolan Smith to a lesser extent, can they be good enough to make up for those guys who you expected to be big parts of the defensive line? Or is this team only going to be successful if, in addition to Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis being good, you also get more of the regular Hassan Reddick we thought we were going to see, a better experience from Brandon Graham over the next 14 weeks as opposed to what you've seen through the first three. Like, Can they cover up for the gaps left if Reddick and Graham don't play to the level they played to last year? Not in a 17-game season. You don't think no. so? No, I don't believe so, right? And Fletcher Cox's snap, t- snap count has been way up. I don't think that's going to last, right? I think, obviously, they're going to kind of gradually increase the snap count for guys like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. While Fletcher Cox has gradually comes down, they've been fantastic. And I don't want to make this sound like a negative or anything when it comes to what these two guys can do and the the impact that they can have, right? Right. But you still need your pro Pro Bowl type players to play like Pro Bowl type players, well, right? You can't have a massive regression from guys like Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham. They can, that can only do so much. Two young guys in the middle can only do so much, right? In my opinion. Yeah. You're going to need Hassan Reddick to be that same player or similar player that he was last year. Brandon Graham can't completely fall off a cliff like he has, especially if Nolan Smith is only playing like 10% of the snaps. 
it's been great and it's worked so far. I think throughout a 17 game season, and especially when you start seeing better quarterbacks, no, I don't. I think you're going to start needing the impact of the other guys. Okay, and that's a good point. The better quarterbacks thing is a is a fun discussion to have because you do look at the quality of quarterbacks you played, and it's Mac Jones, it's Kirk Cousins. I'll bring this up in a second, and it's Baker Mayfield. Mac Jones, not good. Uh, he's busy cheap shotting guys in the cojones. Uh, Sauce Gardner getting punched where yeah, you don't like that one too much or whatever or grabbed, which would be even weirder. That a very strange move by Mac Jones, who has done stuff like that in the past. Uh, and Baker Mayfield has just been given up on by so many franchises. Like those are not quality quarterbacks. The long sigh before Kirk Cousins was just. I know he's not good, but the numbers will tell you he's good, and the like the wins will tell you he's good. I, I look at him and I say that's not a winning quarterback. It, it, he might end up with a winning record in his career, and he might end up with like a playoff win at some point or a primetime win at some point. But he just he doesn't feel like a winner to me. So until you play one of those guys that are winning quarterbacks, you'll see Tua it, when they, you play the Dolphins. You're going to see. I hesitate to call Brock Purdy that guy, but by that point, we may see that he is more that guy than not. I mean, you're going to see him. You're going to see Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs. You're going to see Josh Allen in the Bills. Like, uh, you're going to see teams that have those type of guys, and the defensive line is going to be infinitely more important against those players who can pick you apart in the passing game as opposed to what you've well, seen. And that's a big part of come playoff time, right? Like, you're going to yeah. be seeing... I, and it's tougher in the NFC because obviously the talent isn't isn't there as much when it comes to the quarterback position, right? But like yeah, when Jack it comes stinks. when it comes to playoff time, you're going to be seeing some of the top quarterbacks, especially if and when you reach the Super Bowl, right? So like it's all well and good for these guys, the two interior guys, to be completely carrying your defensive line. It feels like uh, early on in the season against a guy like uh, Baker Mayfield. As the season goes along, you are going to need a jump from your. Pro Bowl players, as I said, if you really want to really take that next step and start to scare people and really start to aim for a Super Bowl here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, you know what, if I'm looking at I probably lean more your way than not when it comes to whether or not Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis can make up for like a Hassan Reddick, uh, Brandon Graham from last year. But I think it's closer than people give it credit for. I think you're looking at a Pro Bowl caliber talent in Jalen Carter. And I think you're looking at Jordan Davis won't get the same respect because he doesn't get after the passer the same way. Like he's he's a little bit more one-dimensional. He's in shown game. flashes as a three-down uh, defensive lineman so far this season, but right, he hasn't shown it his whole career yet. Right, I see Jalen Carter as a guy who could stop the run, stop the pass, get after the quarterback, get after a player in space. I see Jordan Davis as a guy who's a huge body that can every once in a while get a sack when the pocket collapses, but is more a guy who just is going to say, the A-gaps, not tonight, folks. You're not coming up the middle against this team. So I see Jalen Carter as a more versatile defensive player and ultimately probably going to be the better one. But I think both of them are going to be high-caliber players this season. I'm not even projecting out anymore, right? I'm not projecting to Jalen Carter is going to be a guy at some point. No, I, I think they're guys now. I think they're dudes that are big-time players in this league now, and I think Jalen Carter is a special talent today. And I think Jordan Davis in a couple years could be at that level if he continues to improve and get in better shape and work with the guys he has around him. I just It, it says more about why I like this defensive line over last year's. It's just so crazy when you think about it. When you look at Jordan Davis and look at the specimen that he is, where I say it all the time, it is literally a refrigerator in the middle of your defensive line. I think someone already has that nickname, buddy. 
Oh, I'm stealing it. Sorry, William Perry. My apologies. Refrigerator Davis? Yes. Um, he is a legit refrigerator in the middle of the defensive line. Like, that is something a else. Can we specimen. call him the freezer? The ice box? A refrigerator? No. He's a, a big man in the middle. No, I he's a refrigerator. You. No, incorrect. I'm sticking with it. Um, and you look at him, and you look at the guy next to him, and you're like, oh, yeah, the better of those two players isn't the guy who's six foot six and 350 pounds. No, it's Jalen Carter, right? Yeah. Like, at least he has the potential to be, right? We'll see. Maybe Jordan Davis makes another leap this season, right? And he turns in, and we were having a conversation down the road. But according to everyone and according to the draft boards as well, where Jalen Carter would have went top three if it wasn't for the off-the-field stuff, and Jordan Davis is still a mid-first-round pick. It's just so crazy how you can look at a guy like Jordan Davis and, and look right next to him at Jalen Carter and be like, oh, no, Jalen Carter is the better player, and Jordan Davis is a damn good player as well if he keeps up this play. Now, I got to look this up because you making that uh, refrigerator comment had me thinking about nicknames. And you know how Darius Slay called Jalen Carter a baby rhino, baby rhino yep. uh, in the preseason. I'm pulling up Jalen Carter's pro football reference page to see if there's any nicknames listed on here to see if it's a listed nickname. On Jalen Carter, she said, right? It is a listed nickname on Pro Football Reference. Uh, Jalen Carter, a.k.a. Baby Rhino or Breadman. Yeah, that's his Twitter handle. Oh, it's Breadman? Okay. I I like Baby Rhino better, but I like that that's already caught on. I I don't know that Fridge will get there, but... You never know, man. Hey, good defensive linemen, good players need a great nickname. Baby Rhino is a solid one there, given to him by Slay. Not the Fridge, the refrigerator. It's different. Oh, my right. goodness. We're moving on. 610-632-0975. I want to talk to Isaac in Jersey. Wants to talk a little bit about the Eagles' performance this year. Isaac, you're on 97.5, the Fanatic. Hey, thank you for taking my call, man. Thanks Come for on, making man. it. Yeah, so you know what? Listen, I know we're the Philadelphia Eagles right now, but hey, listen, right now we're the ugly duckings at the moment. And you know what? That's not a bad thing, ladies and gentlemen. That's not a bad thing at the moment. I mean, listen, everything hasn't looked as good as we would hoped it would be in terms of the performance, though, but I would take this record at any day playing as ugly as we have so far at this moment. Now, Isaac, let me ask you, what have you been seeing? I'm not disagreeing with you to this point, but I just want to know a little bit more specifically. What have you been seeing from the Eagles that you'd call ugly to this point? Well, I mean, now, and to kind of like phrase it, the way that, when I mean ugly in terms of, it's it's hasn't been like, I, I would say it hasn't really been like pretty football. Like yeah, they haven't played the cleanest game. games. No, I wasn't exactly. saying you're wrong. I just wanted to give yeah. you a chance to like point to some specifics. Yeah, specifics in terms of just maybe how, like, okay, listen, they're trying to learn that Jalen, you know, Jalen Hurts is still kind of struggling to find the offense, you know. Um, Brian Johnson's trying to play new strategies in the game. Little things like that, you know, in terms of, and I think in terms of just like the, the, the optics of, like, you know, seeing your quarterbacks. I know you, you see, like, you know, quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes put up, like, three, 300 yards and, yeah. and winning. You know, it's, it, that's kind of where I'm trying to get at. You know, right now things haven't looked, the, the perception of a well-running team hasn't looked that way. So Right. You have ways I you want to see them win, which includes yeah. Jalen Hurts playing very, very well. And we haven't seen them win the way that we'd be most comfortable with, which I get that. Totally. Yeah, definitely correct, though. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, you look at other, you know, quarterbacks right now, Ayla, uh, uh uh, Mr. Captain Kirk himself right now in, in, in the Vikings right now who's put up 300 yards. Look at that team right now. They're zero and three at the moment. So I think it just kind of shows you the beauty and 
just the championship spirit that this team has right now, that they're able to win ugly and still look dominant the way they, they are. And at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're only playing at 70% right now. So, I mean, there's going to be plenty of time left. The 17 games, this is a marathon this season, and very soon this ugly duckling might be turned into this beautiful swan later when it gets down to it. And if it still is kind of a little bit ugly, if it doesn't look great, I'll still take that because at the end of the day, they're still a very good team. They're doing what they need to do, and they're working out the chinks. I'll take that any day of the week. Absolutely, Isaac. Appreciate the call, Thanks, man. man. Thanks for checking in with the show. Yeah, this ain't the ballet, folks. This is the NFL. This is football. You got to go out there, and sometimes it's got to be smash mouth, and you got to beat teams, and it doesn't always look pretty, and it doesn't always look the way you wanted it to, but uh, that goes ahead and it happens, and you have to adjust and find a way to win in spite of not always playing your best game, and the Eagles have done it three times in a row, which is admirable. There are still things they need to work on, but what they've done to this point, uh, you have to admire where they've gotten to record-wise. 610-632-0975. Now, coming up, I wanted to get into a little bit of the Phillies conversation. Uh, We just watched Craig Kimbrell give up a game-tying home run in the eighth inning. So it's now 2-2 in that game. Just a little quick check-in on the fight and stuff. Dramatics again. It's never easy. But I have an interesting question for you surrounding the Philadelphia Phillies and a scenario where they clinch tonight. If they win tonight, they're in the postseason. There's a chance, depending on what happens with other games, and we'll check in on those other games on the other side as well. Uh, I'll talk you through the clinching scenarios. But if the Phillies clinch tonight, have they overachieved, overachieved expectations for the regular season? Uh, we talked about going through this and being better fans and changing expectations based on championship-caliber rosters. And I've heard a lot of people this year saying the Phillies have underachieved. But let's look at it objectively. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that they have, but I'm going to make the case for it on the other side. 610-632-0975. Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord, back after this here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. p.m. Tuesday evening, Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord, back with you here on 97.5 The Fanatic. Been having a lot of good Eagles discussion after the 3-0 victory last night, the 20 fun, 20 fun, 25-11, did have fun, 25-11 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by your birds. Love to see that. And I don't want people out there to think I'm mad at the fan base and the way we were reacting. And I don't even think we've been more negative than positive. Like, I think the Eagles fan base has been more positive than negative this year. But I, the negativity I see and what it's aimed towards, it's just bothered me a little bit because you have to give this team a little bit of time. You, you do. Even the great teams take some time to work some things out. But the elite-level teams, while they work things out, find ways to win football games anyway. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles have done this year, and that's what they're going to continue to do because they're a quality team. Jalen Hurts will be better. This defensive front, I think, is better than last year's. And because of that, we as fans need to take those expectations of championship and not let them poison the well week to week of saying this team needs to look like a Super Bowl winning team every week. Nobody goes out and wins the Super Bowl every week. That performance that Patrick Mahomes put together against you in the Super Bowl, he doesn't go do that every week. You might think he does because we only see the highlights of him. We're busy zoned in on the birds, but he doesn't do that 17 weeks out of the year. 
Nobody does. There are bad games for everybody. The key is the great ones find ways to win the bad games. And they find ways to progress week in and week out. So eventually they get to the point where they stop having bad games. And I don't even know that any of these Eagles wins can be called bad games. They just haven't been the ideal performance out of the birds. But that's okay through the first three weeks of the season. They haven't been A games. And we've been expecting A games all season because we got a ton of them last year. Yeah, they've been like B minus games. Guess what? That's good. That's passing. My parents would have been mad at me for it. But I'm a much more lenient parent when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I say, hey. Okay, as long as you're learning stuff, kid. And they seem to be progressing week in and week out. Good job by you. Uh, I do want to remind you, Fanatic Deal of the Week is going on. Uh, if you want to learn about something super scary and super fun for everybody, I mean, save big with the Fanatic Deal of the Week and get two tickets to the Bates Motel for just 50 bucks. You'll experience terror like never before at haunted attractions like an award-winning hayride, a frightening cornfield, the infamous Bates Motel, Craig Kimbrell pitching in the eighth. Um, I'm sorry, that wasn't part of the read. No, all that other stuff, though, you could absolutely see those terrors. Uh, and you can check out this exclusive offer now at 975thefanatic.com keyword deal. So go ahead and check out our friends over at Bates Motel. That was a good one. I like Thank that you. One. Yeah, not his best. Not not his best being Craig Kimbrell. That was some of my best work there. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Glad you think so. Yeah, I think everything I do is great. But uh, if you, somebody does, you you've heard you've heard me long enough on the station to uh, to know where my opinion of myself stands. Not important. Let's jump into this conversation about the Philadelphia Phillies because we're getting to a very interesting point of their season. We've been focused a lot on the Eagles tonight, as we should be. They're the big story. They're the main focus. Uh, they just played last night. And the Phillies play a lot, but we're kind of into the point of the season where we already know that they're going to be a playoff team. And we already have a pretty good idea that they're going to be a top wild card seed. So we focus on the birds. But turning this over to a Phillies conversation, if the Phillies clinch tonight and they end up in the playoffs and as the top wild card seed, is there a case to be made that they've overachieved expectations? Or I'll, I'll change that even. I'll say met expectations for the regular season. I've heard a lot of people say, some people on these airwaves, Ricky Patalico said it, John Kikeda said it, um, and at points this year, I don't know where those guys stand as far as the overarching part of this season because the season isn't over. But there have been points that some people who really know what they're talking about have said that they feel the Phillies have underachieved this year. And there are certainly metrics to show you that. I mean, they're not even close to competing for their division. Now, the Atlanta Braves are insanely good. So you got to deal with that and take that with a grain of salt. But still, you saw this roster put together and you thought with the payroll, maybe they could compete for that. The pitching staff has had points where they haven't looked great. The offense has had points where they haven't looked great. Certain individual players have had ups and downs. I mean, we know. We've been talking about it for months now, the narratives of the Philadelphia Phillies season. But let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it. Last year, the Philadelphia Phillies were facing down an 11-year playoff drought. They had been through 10 already. If they had missed last year, it would have been 11. And down the stretch, they nearly collapsed to the point where they didn't make it in. We know they went on the magical run, but it took the changing of a manager, the firing of Joe Girardi, and the bringing in of Rob Thompson, or I guess elevating Rob Thompson from bench coach to uh, manager, and getting him into a position where he can impact that roster to the point where they went on a great run. But it wasn't a clean season last year, and they barely made it in. And then they went on a magical run in the postseason. But if you erase what happened after the October run started, just looking at the regular season, you would say, okay, they got in, but they barely got in. It's nice that they ended that streak of not making it, but it wasn't like they broke the door down. There was, uh, back in the day, I forget what season it was. It might have been the year after the Super Bowl, 
when Nick Foles came in and he helped lead the Eagles back to the playoffs and it was the Alshon drop year. But there was something where I think it was Malcolm Jenkins. And he's like, we're not sneaking in. We're kicking the door down. I don't remember if that was the exact year, but I remember the quote from him on that. The Philadelphia Phillies last year did not exactly kick the door down. No. They snuck in. Yeah. So eliminate what happened after. Regular season alone, they got in. This year, they're clearly the top wild card seed in the National League. They're not barely sneaking in. They deserve to be a playoff team this year. They've fully earned it. And I know people might look at it and say, well, they won 87 games last year. They're going to be right around that mark again this year. Maybe you wanted them to be over 90 wins. They could still get there. Uh, they could still get to 93, I think, would be the most possible wins if they went out. Correct, yes. So they could still get to a point where the record looks really good. But I think looking at the postseason, we expected more from this team than maybe was right to expect. I'm a big believer in incremental growth when it comes to sports. Not put together a team and go from worst to first. No, go from worst to maybe 500. Go from 500 to maybe playoffs. Go from playoffs to maybe winning a playoff game. Go from winning a playoff game to having that experience and turning it into a run and go from turning it into a run to winning one. That's the way that I think you should focus on building a team. And sometimes when you do that, you get lucky and it gets accelerated because you have a great year. The Phillies, the expectations got accelerated because they went on a great run last year. But realistically, last year, they barely made it in. This year, they improved on the roster, and they're going to make it in easily as the top wildcard seed. So with that in mind, is it fair to say that they, they're where they need to be through the regular season? Because I think that's where they need to be. Yes, you used the word overachieved at first. They, did, they have not overachieved no, you're right. this season. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make sure that's where you're going. But when correct. you finish that answer, yes, you are correct. They did not overachieve. They're right where we need them to be, and they're right where we expected them to be. Like, dude, they're going to win 90 games this season, most like, more likely than not, right? They're going to win 90 games this year. This is the most wins they'll have in a regular season. If they win tonight, they win one more game the rest of the way. If they go one and five, it will be the most games they've won since 2011. That's a damn good sign, right? 90 wins. You're comfortably in that number one wild card seed. And also, something that I looked at all season long, yes, you've been leading the wild card in the NL, but I always look at the AL. How would you be doing in the AL? Right now, you'd be tied for the second wild card in the AL, and the only reason you're not first is because Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays have 95 wins. Yeah, so that's like, a you're not crazy division. That. Yeah, right. exactly. So, like, you're right where we expected them to be. And that's other- the thing. Expectations. We weren't expecting them to win the NL East. Nobody, when we were doing it on the John Cicaccio ahead of the season, not a single one of us predicted them to win the NL East. It's just, oh, because the margin of victory for the Braves in the division is higher. Now, all of a sudden, the Phillies should have been better. No, they've reached the point we've wanted them to get to. Who cares if they won 60 games to get there? It goes back to the capable thing. It goes back to what we were talking about with the Eagles. Have the Eagles played their best game? No. Do we think now all of a sudden they're not capable of doing it? Also, no. So then why for the Phillies... Because we haven't seen them play their best baseball consistently throughout the year. Do we think they're not capable of playing good baseball? Has it been the prettiest season? No, it absolutely has not. The first 100 games, they could not hit the baseball out of the park. There was no power. Trey Turner, obviously, we know how how poorly he struggled, right? Um, Aaron Nola has been up and down all season long with a lot more downs. Do I still have concerns going into the playoffs? I do about the bullpen because the bullpen's leaking a little bit right now, especially Craig Kimbrell. I don't know what to expect from my starting pitchers outside of Zach Wheeler, right? Like, I still have concerns. It's not perfect. But when you look at it, man, 
Since June 1st, when this thing really got turned around, the Phillies have the fourth best record in all of baseball since June 1st. Their winning percentage since June 1st, a 614 winning percentage. Right now, the Los Angeles Dodgers have a 615 winning percentage. That's what it is. Like since early June, since the season has started, you're right there on par with the Los Angeles Dodgers and every other exactly. top team in baseball, right? Like, I don't know how you could sit here at this Phillies team and look at them and say they've underachieved. Has it been perfect? No, but guess what? That's a 162-game baseball season. It's not going to be perfect. They just achieved in a different way than than we thought they were going to achieve. It's the same thing with the Eagles through three games. It's the uncertainty of sports, man. The Eagles have gotten to 3-0. They just haven't done it in the way we expected, and to some people that makes them think that it's not good enough. There are things that need to be improved, but the results are what matters. It doesn't matter how you get there. Like, if you score 100 runs, I don't care if it's by 100 solo home runs or uh, a bunch of grand slams, like 25 grand slams, or if it's a bunch of singles that get you there. Good math by you. Yeah, thank you. It took me a second. Uh, But it doesn't matter how you score the points or win games. All that matters is that you do. And the Philadelphia Phillies have been better this year than they were last year through the regular season. But that's a question now. And now we get into kind of an overarching theory on sports fandom. Is it fair to celebrate a team being better the next season than they were the year before, even if the payroll and the quality of roster increases more than that? Let me, let me break that down a little bit cleaner. I'll, I'll use the clear example of the Philadelphia Phillies. So the Phillies are better this year than they were last year. But let's say they win two games more than they did in the 2022 season. Trey Turner is probably worth more than two games. Like He's a very, very good player. He was your all-MLB so, yeah. shortstop. I know we've seen what he's been at points this year, and he went through a major slump. But I'm saying when you sign Trey Turner, you expect to be more than two games better sure. as a result of Trey Turner. That's literally what war kind of measures almost. And he, you'd expect him to probably be a four or five war player. Like He's pretty darn good like yes. that. So... Is it fair to say because they're better than last year, they've achieved? Or are you in the camp of they should have been better than this, so even though they were better than last year, they're not as good as the roster should have been? And, and We're getting very much into the semantics of it, but the semantics of sports is an important thing to the mentality of a fan base. Well, and that's why these these games aren't played on paper. You can't look at it from an on-paper standpoint, dude. Like the San Diego Padres on paper shouldn't have missed the playoffs. The New York Mets on paper shouldn't have been as bad as they were this season, right? These games are not paid played on paper. So yes, maybe the Philadelphia Phillies we expected them to be a 100-win team. Maybe we expected them to be in the mid-90s. Maybe we expected them to fight a little bit more from the NL East. But on paper, the game is not played. So, obviously, things are going to be a little bit different than what we expect as the season goes along. But all I know is one thing. This team, they I'll be honest, they win 90 games. It'll be more than I was expecting this year. I think I said 89 this season is what they were going to win, right? And when you look at the big thing especially is how they've been in September, Right, And you could say, oh, look at the favorable schedule. This team hasn't had a winning September since Pete McCannon was the manager. They're going to have it this year, right? Like, that is a good step for the Philadelphia Phillies. So, you're all about growth. You're all about, like, the increase, the slow build. That's what the Philadelphia Phillies have done when you look at the regular seasons. Last year, they barely sneaked their way in. They kind of backed their way in. This year, they take advantage of that first wild card spot and the position that they're in, and they make sure they don't collapse in September, and that's what they've done this September. So just a quick check around the league while we're talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. So here's the scenario for clinching tonight. 
on the night of whatever day it is, September 26, 2023. In order for the Philadelphia Phillies to clinch the playoffs tonight, they need to beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. Currently, that game is tied at two. We'll let you know what goes on in that one. But that, if you just win, regardless of anything else that goes on, you're in. Correct. If they were to win and they wanted to also clinch the top wild card seed tonight, they would need one of two things to happen. Either the Chicago Cubs would have to lose to the Atlanta Braves or the Milwaukee Brewers would have to beat the St. Louis Cardinals. You don't need both. You just need one. Unfortunately, Along with the Phillies win. Yes, along with the Phillies win. Unfortunately, the Cubs are currently beating the Braves 6-0 in the 6th. Who would have saw that coming? And the Cardinals, the lowly Cardinals, are up 4-1 on the Brewers in the 6th. Folks, right now it does not look like we're looking at a top wild card clinching scenario tonight for your Philadelphia Phillies. But they could still make it into the postseason. And why clinch once if you can clinch twice, right? Maybe you'll get one tonight, and then you go win tomorrow, and then you get it locked up. Because I do believe that the Phillies win tonight and tomorrow. That'll lock it up for them. Do uh, you win? Like, do you have two celebrations? So, like, say they win tonight, and they celebrate getting into the playoffs, and then say they clinch the top wild card tomorrow. Like, do you have two celebrations? Or you just, I feel like that's a bad job. they'll just celebrate getting in. I would hope so. And then they won't celebrate the top wild card, but... Uh, who knows? I mean, I'm all in favor. The more champagne, the better. I'm pro <laughs> champagne. So go ahead and pop those corks, boys. If you want to do it two nights in a row, knock yourself out. Fair enough. But yes, so it doesn't look like we're facing a top wild card clinching scenario tonight. Let you know if anything changes in those other two games. But that's the the general scenario. There's also a way that the Phillies can get in with a loss tonight. But I think the Cubs and the Diamondbacks and the Brewers, a bunch of teams would have to lose. That also doesn't and it seem feels realistic. so much worse getting, getting in on a loss. loss. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, especially like if there's one game left and this is do or die, it still feels pretty crappy. But, hey, at least you get into the playoffs, right? With five games left, especially two more at home after tonight, it would feel a lot better to just get it done on your own terms, winning at home. Yes, and here's why it's important if you can do it tonight. Because then you can go ahead and the sooner you get it done, the sooner you can rest guys and get your rotation set up. Zach Wheeler won't have to throw again this year. Aaron Nola won't have to throw again this year This year in the regular season. And you could start, I mean, if you clinch tonight, I guess you're still playing for the top wild card, so you'd go normal tomorrow. But by the end of this series with the Pirates, I don't want to see a single starter that you're going to see in the postseason throw in that series against the New York Mets coming up. Like, that last three games, the starter should be uh, Michael Lorenzen for, like, three innings, Orion Kirkering for, like, seven innings and see what the kids got. Not actually. That's being hyperbolic. But someone like Orion Kirkering, and I don't know, throw Junior Marte out there. Now, you do have to make sure, like, if you don't see, like, Christopher Sanchez might be part of your rotation. So, like, if he's not set to pitch in the game against the Pirates and he's set to pitch in the first game in the New York Mets and you're planning on using him in the playoffs, you can't just have him not pitch because then you're skipping his start. Like, you got to make sure these guys are uh, on the might throw, like, team. an inning or two, but you could potentially skip a start if you want to move these guys up in the rotation. Like, the current rotation as it stands might not be where you go in. They might want to see Sanchez in game three of the wild card series. Yeah. There's a real possibility that they think he's the third best pitcher on this team. There's also a real possibility that he ends up in the bullpen and doesn't make sure. a start because he's young. So it depends how you want to handle it. But I would love I get what you're saying, though. Like, you don't want to see any of these big guys being tested or being put out there to risk any type of injury or anything. No, like that. right. That's the thing. Don't take the chance. You don't have to. I'd rather take the chance of rust than take the chance of injury. And it's not like, like, listen, the Braves haven't really been playing for anything for about a week now. And they're not going to play for anything for about another two weeks. 
Like, they're going to be rusty if you get him in the NLDS. And, oh, by the way, and I mentioned it to Ray last week, uh, Max Fried on the IL and Charlie Morton will not pitch until the NLCS. Yes. NLCS, excuse me. Yeah, he's ineligible for the NLDS, so that's a good thing. And the other thing you got to look at, too, is you want to have these guys set up and rested because, and it's not just pitchers, like position players, too. I want to see a lot of Rodolfo Castro. I want to see a lot of Edmundo Sosa. I want to see a lot of Jake Cave. Like, everybody that is not going to be a main player for this team in the postseason should be making starts because the teams in the NL wildcard race that you're looking at potentially facing, I'll just read this out for you right now when you look at the standings in the wildcard, as it is right now with games going on. The Diamondbacks and the Cubs are tied dead heat for the second wildcard spot. Right now, the tiebreaker goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Marlins are a game out of those. The Reds, two and a half out of them. Not dead yet, but probably not going to make the run. It's really between the Diamondbacks, Cubs, and Marlins. I don't know about you. I don't see any of those teams pulling away. I just want to look at the uh, the schedule. And those teams... No, it's going to go down to the last day. The Diamondbacks don't play the Cubs. The Cubs don't play the Diamondbacks. Like, none of these teams play each other either. So it's not like the Diamondbacks can play the Cubs and whoever wins that series can make up games. Correct. It's going to come down to, like you said, the last day for them. If you're the Diamondbacks and Zach Gallon's supposed to throw to get you the second wildcard spot, he's going to throw. Yeah. And then yeah. he's not going to be available for the wildcard series. So that's why it's super advantageous for you to clinch as early as possible too uh so we'll see what goes on there for the philadelphia phillies again doesn't look like they're going to clinch the top wild card tonight but still have the opportunity to just flat out beat the pittsburgh pirates and uh move on with a win and go into the uh the postseason based on their win tonight over the pirates if they do get that that game's still in question tied up at two uh, so we'll let you know when we get a result in the Philadelphia Phillies-Pittsburgh Pirates game. We may have that for you on the other side, so go ahead and stay tuned. Don't touch that dial, 610-632-0975. If we do have the clinch of the postseason, we'll have a look forward into what to focus on there and how that changes our view of the wild card race. But there's something else we need to get into. We cannot finish the show without acknowledging something that A.J. Brown said after the game. And it was not about targets, and it was not about touchdowns, and it wasn't about really football. No, it was about his his tummy hurting. Oh, I mean, diet. okay. Uh, it's the sound you got to hear. A cut that we have ready from AJ Brown post game, and we're also going to get into something on the legacy of the man who started the game tonight, Aaron Nola's legacy as a Philadelphia Philly, because it was an interesting conversation on the best show ever earlier today that they were having, and he's he's just a very interesting character in the past couple years of Philadelphia Phillies baseball as to what he means to this franchise, but how this fan base treats him. I want to talk a little bit about it in what might have been his final regular season start as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. So we'll discuss that as well. Connor Thomas, Tom Alvord, back after this here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. p.m. heading into the final segment here of the night. Connor Thomas and Tom Alvord with you here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 610-632-0975. I would love to hear your thoughts on that Phillies conversation we were just having about if they've met expectations for the regular season when you think about it as a growth from last year. It's a great question about sports in general. When you look at the quality of a team, Do you base it on incremental growth over the past season? 
or do you base it on the expectations you had for that specific team? Obviously, we thought this team was going to be better than last year's team when we look at the roster. But when you look at where they're at in the standings, they have been. And yet a lot of people are saying they've underachieved. So it's very interesting. Of course, we've got longer to wait to see if they're going to clinch tonight. Uh, because they're not finishing off the Pirates in the fashion that we would want them to. So we'll keep you updated on anything that goes on uh, with that game. But hopefully we're still seeing the Phillies pop champagne and some uh, some beer by the end of the night. We can have a little bit of celebratory drink ourselves once we're off the air. We'll see. A ways to go still in this one. So uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated. But when you look at a potential clinch situation for the Philadelphia Phillies, have you started yet, Tom, looking at the other teams in the wild card race and saying, Here's who I want. Here's who should be playing the Phillies. Here, who, here's who I would prefer to come to Philadelphia. Yes. Uh, Ray and I did this exercise a little bit last week. Now, things have changed um, when it came to the Cincinnati, when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds pretty much being out of this. And me, him and I both said that you we You want would, the Reds. Yeah, you'd prefer to face That's the, the right Reds call. if you had a chance. Yeah. I would take the Reds over any of those teams, including the Giants. I and I know the Giants are said the up. exact same thing, my Well, that's friend. because I finally, after years of sitting next to you, have incepted you with my good baseball takes. Or we Best just friends. Have, yep. Or we just have the same thought process on it. But regardless, um, <laughs> yes, uh, I've been looking at this... I'm shocked. I thought the Diamondbacks had the second wild card set. Like, I did. They were up, like, a Way game Way back in the day, yeah. No, no, no. Like, even, oh, like, oh, last now. week. Well, that's the funny thing. They were leading the NL West for a while. And then the Dodgers got hot, like we knew they were going sure. to at some point. But, yeah, you're right. But the Cubs were up for, like, a month, and then they fell apart. Nobody wants the second wild card. No. Maybe that's subconsciously they're afraid of the Phillies. Could be. Maybe they're just not as good of teams as we think. That's the correct That's answer. probably what it is, yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting. So you're going, do you not want to see the Diamondbacks? No, they're probably the team that I would least like to see, to be completely honest. Mine is Miami. Really? Yeah. That divisional familiarity scares the ever-living you-know-what out of me. Now, no Alcantara. He's out. He's done for the year. They have Yuri Perez, who's a very, very good pitcher. It's probably worse for the Phillies that Alcantara is not pitching. Yeah, because they always hit him pretty well. Well, no, but it's not even that. They don't always hit him well. They always win those games. When they don't. He throws eight, like, perfect innings, and then they bring some guy out of the bullpen, and they just say to go ahead home run, like, every <laughs> yes, time. It's every just like they, Al- Alcantara can't win. He's like the Grom light down there uh, where all of his starts, he looks good, but he just doesn't win. This year, he has to look great, but they still have good pitchers. I just look at that team as, uh, I don't know. I get it. No, I, it's the familiarity of it, dude. Yeah. seeing a team too much. And they they've struggled the with the Marlins too well. in the past. Yes. Not so much since Thompson's been here, but they have in the past. Struggled. That's why the Phillies are a great matchup with the Braves. Because Correct. of the divisional yeah. familiarity. Yes, absolutely. I'm still Diamondbacks personally because of the potential pitchers you're seeing. Where Zach Allen can be the best pitcher in baseball on any given day. If, if we just set. talked about I it. Know, I know, I know. If they're but set. You never know what happens, right? And I don't know when. Ga- I know Gallon pitched yeah, Sunday. So I don't know when his next time to come uh, to pitch is. We'll see. Maybe it ends up being Sunday. Who knows? But regardless, if it could work out in a situation where you're seeing Zach Gallon and then Merrill Kelly back to back. So say... God forbid Zach Allen outduels Zach Wheeler, which is a possibility, and you're down one nothing. It's Aaron Noll with the up and down season he's had uh, going up against Merrill Kelly, who's a really really good pitcher this season. That scares the the living daylights out of me. So I get what you're saying about the Marlins; they're probably number two for me. But I do still worry about the Diamondbacks because of that pitching staff. And by the way, Corbin Carroll and Christian Walker are no slouches when it comes to the offensive side of the ball either. Yeah. Now I'm looking at this, and the Phillies have faced Zach Allen once this year. 
He went five innings, uh, five and two-thirds innings, allowed five hits, two runs, two earned, and the Diamondbacks lost that game five to six to the Philadelphia That's Phillies. it? I thought they saw him twice. Uh, I thought so, too. Sure. I have him listed as once here. I'm on baseball reference, unless you uh, doubt the gods over a baseball reference. I don't know. Maybe. No, they're uh, they're normally right on absolutely everything. So, yeah, I have him down as one game against the Philadelphia Phillies this year. Uh, I'll look up Merrill Kelly as well, but Zach Gallon's a guy who is not historically pitched well against the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, even coming back here. I mean, listen, uh, I'll tell you, I, I don't like to be the, oh, I played with this guy, I played with that guy. I played with Zach Gallon growing up. He's an area kid. He's grew up here, from here, and there's part of that that I have to imagine. Obviously, I never pitched in Major League Baseball. That might come as a shock to you with the way I talk about my athletics, but no, I'm not that quality of player, never was. But I have to imagine there's part of the nerves that kick in when you're playing in your hometown. By the way, the Phillies have faced Merrill Kelly once this year. He went six innings of three hits, three earned runs, and they lost three to four. Okay. So, so you, two losses against you've beaten both of those guys this year and the only time seeing them. They still, those are two guys who have, what, like a 3-5 ERA or something like that, both of them. So, They're very good. When it comes to the gallon uh, situation and conversation that you brought up, that is absolutely possible, right, that the lights are too big playing in your hometown – there's also the conversation. No playoff games ever for him, I believe. No, no, no. Yeah, not from the Diamondbacks and then obviously with the Marlins beforehand. Um, that is absolutely possible. It is also possible that Zach Allen is one of those pitchers that rises to the occasion, right? That he's just one of those guys. Now, he has not had a good September, so people have said, hey, listen, when the lights have gotten brightest, when they needed him, he's falling apart a little bit. That could just be like running out of gas a long season, right? But there is always a possibility. That's what makes or breaks like pitchers come postseason time. Can you rise to the occasion when the lights are brightest? Maybe Zach Allen, when the lights are brightest, especially in his hometown, is one of those guys that can rise to an occasion. Um, I'm not. I hope we don't see him at all and learn that situation, regardless of which way it goes. Because if we can face the Diamondbacks without seeing Zach Allen, then then uh, you're in a pretty good spot there. Absolutely. I, I mean, the team I'd most like to face is the Chicago Cubs, because even though they have Tyler Steele and he's been really good, Justin. Justin Steele. Why do I keep calling him Tyler Steele? Tyler Just, Steele, probably maybe. from the birds. That's probably what yeah. it is. Justin Steele. Sorry about that, but that's the point. It's Justin Steele. He's had a great year, but you're not. Might win Cy Young. It might be top two in Cy Young. Well, Blake Snell's going to win Cy Young. Top two in Cy Young. But, yes. He, I mean, he's been really, really good, but he's not one of those guys with a pedigree. No. Zach no. Allen's a guy that's had good stretches in the past. Now he's done it over 162. He did it last year, too. He did pretty well last year as well. Like, yeah, it's been yeah. two seasons of Gallon. We've only seen, what, five months of Justin Steele perform to this capability. Right. And I also just – I the Diamondbacks feel frisky to me. The Cubs don't. The Cubs feel like a team that got hot for a stretch of the season. But remember – They won three straight. They were well on the outside looking in before they went on that run. Yeah. Now, you could say the same about the Phillies in 2022. And we know teams like that can be dangerous. I, I, I don't know. I just – I look at the Cubs as a very beatable team. I look at the Diamondbacks as a somewhat beatable team. I look at the Marlins as a team where I'm like, that series might to- turn into a coin flip just because of the whole weird juju with the with the Marlins-Phillies dynamic. I, I don't want that. I don't want the narrative of the, oh, we got to face down the Marlins in the postseason type thing 
That's just not a storyline I want to have to read. Yeah, no, I have no interest in that either um, because those could be the, t- the type of team that plays spoilers. When it comes to the Chicago Cubs, and I mentioned that they've won three straight, we, we thought that they were going to be challenging us for the first wild card spot at, like immediately after the All-Star break, yeah. right, where everyone was complaining, myself included, that they didn't trade Cody Bellinger to the Philadelphia Phillies and decided to hang on to him. It ended up working out because they're going to make the playoffs here. But regardless – for them to have kind of the fall off that they have, I'm with you. I don't worry about them nearly as much. Yes, you have Justin Steele. Their bullpen's actually pretty good. Fifth, fifth best bullpen ERA in the National League this year. But I, I don't, I don't fear them the same way I fear other teams. Yeah. Uh, in the NL, and Maybe. I don't really truly fear anyone. It's just like who do you least want to see? Who do you most want to see in and a like, wild card scenario? You swept them in Chicago, but you took three of four from the Diamondbacks in Arizona Earlier in the year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just. You're better than you're these better teams. than these teams. Whoever you see, you're going to be better. That's why the Phillies are going to be the top wild card seed, and they've got a chance to clinch and everything going on. So, uh, we'll go ahead and see how it goes. Now, I want you to hear this audio. We're going to make a little flip back to the birds because this is must listen from AJ Brown. Uh, we were talking a little bit on post game. We brought it up tonight, and there were reports that Jalen Hurts went into the game with flu like symptoms ahead of the matchup with the Buccaneers and had to play through that. And we talk about the Jordan mentality kind of that Jalen Hurts has shown. He's displayed throughout his career. Well, I'll just tell you this, Jalen. You don't have to go through the flu game, okay? We'll still root for you. You don't have to be Michael Jordan to the point where you got to get sick. So I'd appreciate the health. And it sounds like A.J. Brown is something that he needs to do to keep his health intact for the season let's go ahead and listen to this from aj brown after the game yesterday oh i don't know anything about that you know um i'm gonna say my stomach was hurt i had ate some some takis some some last night never again <laughs> never again skipping a chipotle up. yeah bro that, that's on the chipotle list <laughs> yeah no more takis for aj brown <laughs> i love that see that's the thing that it, it's fun to hear these guys talk about. It. It's a fun, lighthearted quip from AJ Brown, but it's crazy what a week will do. Now, a hundred some yards. What do you have? Like one thirty one, one thirty six, or something through the air. He had one hundred and thirty one on nine catches. Oh, look at that! I was right the first time. Always trust your first answer. Fourteen folks. targets, by the way, and yeah. two drop touchdowns. Like that'll uh, that'll turn the post game availability from I had to leave the locker room, which is what he had to do following the game against Minnesota. He had to leave the locker room. Because he said he didn't want his emotions to, like, alter what he was going to say to the media. Like, he had to get his emotions in check. He goes from that to joking around about Takis. But that shows you that we can overreact sometimes to what we see on the sidelines. The smart fan, the knowledgeable fan, would have said, after that A.J. Brown confrontation with Jalen Hurts, I hesitate to even call it a confrontation. I'll just call it a conversation that seemed very animated on the sidelines of the Minnesota game. The smart fan would have looked at that and said, okay, I get it. It's two guys going back and forth, and they're trying to get on the same page and might be worked up about something, but there's no big issue there. You can see now, obviously, there's there's no issue with A.J. Brown. There's just not. No, and that, that's why it really never was a story, right? And, like, I get it, and we, we talked about it last week, and someone called in and said, listen, man, I just worry a little bit because last time we had drama with a quarterback and a wide receiver, it, left, it led to T.O. leaving and us closing the Super Bowl window, right? So I get it. I get the worry anytime, especially when it comes to these receivers and what we've seen from Stefan Diggs leading into this season. You just never know with these guys when it comes to the receivers and that, quote, diva type of mentality that some of them have when it's more just, hey, I want my targets. I want to have a 1,000 yards every single game. But right. 
Their relationship, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, is what made this a non-story because A.J. Brown, or excuse me, Jalen Hurts is literally the godfather of A.J. Brown's kids. Like, it doesn't get any closer than that. So they're not going to let a lack of targets in one game or whatever it was, a a misread, get the best of them and, and ruin what they really are trying to accomplish, and that is winning a Super Bowl this year. Right. You have to understand kind of the environment that they're in. Like, it's a perfect example because we get to experience it every once in a while on here. I was going to say every day, but it's not every day we get heated. But we've had times where on the air, you and I will legitimately be yelling at each other. And someone out there might be listening and be like, are these dudes actually going to fight in the parking lot? My fiance herself, when we got in the one, she was listening. She was like, are you guys good? I was like, yeah, it's fine. He's just wrong. The second the microphone turns off, it's just like we're exactly the same people. We're friends. We're tight and everything. Like, it's not that deep you just have to understand that in the sphere of sports talk radio there are going to be times where you disagree and part of the job is yelling at each other like that's just kind of what it is uh when it comes to everything as far as the uh the nfl scheme and running through games it's a hot environment at times and you got to go ahead and you got to do what needs to be done speaking of doing what needs to be done there is a mob scene going on at citizens bank park right now as johan rojas walks it off to send the Philadelphia Phillies to the postseason. He's nearly tackled. They're all the way out in center field right now. <laughs> the Phillies have just walked it off and beaten the Pittsburgh Pirates 3-2. to two. And your Philadelphia Phillies, ladies and gentlemen, they're heading to the postseason That's right. for the second time in as many years. They have locked up a postseason berth. They're heading back. It is a red October once again in Philadelphia as Johan Rojas sends the Philadelphia Phillies to the 2023 postseason. What a moment at Citizens Bank Park. What a finish in extra innings, the bottom of the 10th. Brandon Marsh scores the winning run with a head first slide on a Johan Rojas single to center field. And what an absolute win. The Phillies are heading back. Man, it's going to be awesome. We're going to try and get you the audio as soon as possible on that one before we're off the air and the call of that. But yes. Now we're talking. Play the music. The Phillies are dancing once again. Folks, a year or two ago, We would have absolutely killed to see playoff baseball here in Philadelphia. And now, for the second straight year, they're going damn back. Tom, they did it. Damn right they did, buddy. Yes, absolutely. Look, yes, Craig Kimbrell tried to ruin it himself, but it's okay. It didn't matter. They did what this team has done all season long, Connor. You know what that is? They fight. They're never out of it. I don't care if it's against the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? You have to go out there and win this baseball game. And for the game to be kind of blown in the eighth inning and all the momentum to shift over, and especially after Castellano strikes out in a big spot, they've, this would be a team in past where they would have lost that baseball game. And they didn't because they fight. And they fought all season long and they fought all last year. And you are set up now for a second consecutive playoff spot. And you got to be feeling good about yourself because I know the Philadelphia Phillies are and I know the fans are heading into the playoffs. They feel like this team can beat any other team that they face come playoff time. And you know what is the best part about all of this? The standing ovation for Trey Turner was great. It turned him around. The standing ovation for Alec Bohm last year after you had those issues with the errors early on in the ga- uh, in this uh, season, you had a situation where you needed to fix that. And those guys turned the season around. But... There are times where you could pick yourself up. And seeing Johan Rojas do that as a young player and come up and make the impact he's had. Sorry, it was Christian Pache who scored the winning run. Yes, pinch running. Yeah, pinch running out there. Sorry, I just saw the speed and I thought, oh, it's got to be Marsh. No, it's Pache. But to see Johan Rojas have that moment, 
That's the type of thing that builds such confidence in a young player. It's amazing to see the celebration still going on on the field right now. Just incredible work. We got the call there, Maddie. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Go ahead and let's listen to what it sounded like at Citizens Bank Park as the Philadelphia Phillies once again clinched a red October. Bednar is one of the best closers in the game. His ERA is 2.07. This is obviously not a save situation, but he's trying to save the 10th inning for the Pirates. Check swing, blocked by Rodriguez again. No swing. He saved a couple. Balls he kept in front of him, kept Pache from advancing. Bouncer back toward the middle, linking into center field, a base hit. Pache's coming home. The throw to the plate, not in time. The Phillies are going back to the postseason. The rookie, Johan Rojas, with an RBI single here in the bottom of the 10th inning. They win it 3-2. to two. Damn right, buddy. Oh, my goodness. How great does that sound? T-Mac is so good, man. He's so good. He's amazing. And the Philadelphia Phillies are amazing. That's just typical, right? It couldn't be easy. They couldn't have just gone out and beaten the Pirates 20 to nothing like they should with the quality of that team. No, I I mean, uh, the Pirates were in contention at points this year early on. Still, though, that's the microcosm of the Philadelphia Phillies regular season. Correct. There are points where it looked ugly. There are points where they gave up big home runs. They got some good performances. Aaron Nola made a great start. And then you don't get the offense to the point you think you need to. And it's not easy. But at the end of the day, this is a winning baseball team. They're going to find ways to end up on top when everything's all said and done. And they still have that magic in them. They do. They have the ability to make great moments, to win huge games, to fight, to win tight contests. This is what I've been trying to tell you all year. This Philadelphia Phillies team still has it. It doesn't mean they're going to win it all. But if you don't think they're capable of it, if you don't think they have a pinch of that magic left, I don't know what team you've been watching. And guess what? You better turn on your TV sets going forward because you're going to see them in October, and this team is dangerous. Dude, how cool is this game and how cool is this team where could you imagine the guy who gets the game winning hit to send the Phillies to the playoffs at the beginning of the season if I were to tell you it was Johan Rojas right and it's not just one of those fluky like oh he came up in a pinch hit spot he's been bad all season no man like since he's been elevated he's been fantastic for the Philadelphia Phillies he's batting 304 with the 342 on base percentage playing gold glove defense dude and that's just a shout out to the Phillies in the farm system and what Dave Dombrowski has done to turn this farm system around in a short period here and it's also trusting himself this is something that good organizations do they don't wait they don't call up the weston wilson's they don't call up the uh um jake caves or cody clemens in a spot right no they give the young guy a chance to show what he has in johan rojas the young prospect who has the highest upside of all those guys and that's what they did and it's worked out perfectly for him that's what good organizations do and you know what it paid off tonight right and they got it, they got paid for it in this situation because Johan Rojas gets a clutch hit in that spot. By the way, two for four tonight with a with an RBI and a run scored. And it's Johan great Rojas. to see it at home too, because last year you remember they clinched in Houston. Yes. And they didn't come back forever. They played in Houston and then they went on the road to St. Louis and then they went on the road for two in Atlanta. And then they finally came back. Now 
you have a celebration at Citizens Bank Park of a clinch. This is the first time they've clinched something since you had the clinch over the Padres and that Bryce Harper magical home run. Uh, I mean, just insane there. And first time since they've clinched the playoff spot in Philly since 2011. It just wonderfully done. 610-632-0975. I need your reaction. I know there's people streaming out of Citizens Bank Park happy as hell right now that the Philadelphia Phillies were able to walk it off. Tell me what you're thinking heading into the postseason as now we know it's a certainty. The Philadelphia Phillies are heading back to the playoffs. Guess what song T-Mac just said they're playing right now? Dancing on my Yep. Damn right, oh, buddy. Oh, I love it. Since they brought it back, this team's been red hot. Also, because I know there's some people out there. There's some people that are saying, oh, what does this mean? It's a win against the Pirates. We still have a long ways to go. We still have a lot to prove. Enjoy the little moments. Enjoy the build. Enjoy the steps that it takes to become a world champion, dude. Like, enjoy this moment. Yes, it was against the Pirates. Yes, we have a ways to go. Yes, you almost blew it in the eighth inning. Enjoy that you're in this moment because they don't come around a ton, especially here in Philadelphia with our baseball team. We're hoping it does in the near future, in the future past that. But what? You said it. They've had 17 playoff appearances in the 240 years they've been around or whatever. Enjoy this moment. We worry about the future tomorrow. Enjoy this moment because the Phillies just did something that we haven't seen a ton in their existence for the Philadelphia Phillies. I told you guys all damn year, this was a good enough baseball team. This was a playoff baseball team. This is a top wildcard seed baseball team. I've tried to fight tooth and nail with people who didn't think they were good enough, who wanted to complain about the little stuff. Why is Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff at batting 190? Why is Trey Turner not hitting? Why is Aaron Nola still getting the chance to pitch? When is Zach Wheeler going to be himself? Why are you calling up Johan Roas? Where is this outfield going to be? How does the Bryce Harper injury factor in? Guess what, folks? The Philadelphia Phillies are heading back to a red October and they're as dangerous as any team in baseball. Man, I'm fired up right now. I know you are out there, too. 610-632-0975. Let's go to Sean in Mount Holly who wants to talk about the Phillies. Sean, you're on 97.5 The Fanatic. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great, Sean. We're heading to a Sean. red October. Well, man, it's my birthday today. Man. Happy birthday. Appreciate it. 42. <laughs> what a gift. Oh, Phillies come in, man. That walk-off was great. I was, man, I was ecstatic jumping up and down. You need to have a couple more birthdays this year, okay? You're going to be 47 by the end of the postseason run. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. I'm I'm hyped in there. Go Phils and and go Birds. I love that. Now, when you look at the Phils for the playoffs, are you all the way back in? Are you ready? Can this team make another run? 100%. I'm back in. I'm filled in. I'm ready to go. Now, how did you feel all season? Did you see this coming, Sean? Were you one of the people who got down on this team? No, not not really. I mean, we always have our ups and downs. That's how the Phillies do it. They make us sweat it out, but... uh, in, in the end, they came through. They absolutely did. That's what this team does so well. Sean, happy birthday, man. You enjoy it. Go ahead and uh, crack open a beer. Pop some champagne if you want to. The Phillies are damn well doing it. It's just an absolute great moment at Citizens Bank Park. That'll be a memorable postseason clinch for years to come. Yeah, it's just so cool doing it at home. And how great is it that we're going to have a home play? We are more likely than not They're having going a- to. I-, I know, I know. I just hate to talk in certainties when it's not certain, but they are, they are going to have a home playoff series to start the playoffs, right? Like obviously last year was awesome. Last year was a ton of fun, right? And we saw what playoff baseball is like in this stadium, in this city, 
But to start the playoffs out that way, to get that momentum going right away is such a huge thing for the Philadelphia Phillies. And and look, it's also great for these fans that there's that many more games that we get to see at home for the Philadelphia Phillies in a playoff atmosphere. So it's just you're set up in a really good spot here. You're now, what, 88 wins on the season. You're talking about a team that's going to be hosting the first three games of the playoffs and is probably going to win 90 games this year. Look, man, you can't ask for much more of that, especially when you're in division with the Braves, and that really wasn't even a possibility for the entire season. The Philadelphia Phillies are in a really good spot right now. Yes, still a couple question marks. Kimbrell's got to figure it out. We'll see what happens with the pitchers, the starting pitchers. Aaron Nola looked really good tonight, but you're in a really good spot, and you're set up for another Red October here. I don't care about any of the deficiencies of this team right now. I just want to celebrate them. Good. I want to hear the excitement. I want to hear it at 610-632-0975. All you folks out there who are just ready for a red October, fired up, ready to swing those rally towels around. Come October 3rd at Citizens Bank Park when the Wild Card Series uh, kicks off. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And man... For all the ups and downs of this team this year, they're right where we wanted them to be when the season started. Is that John Middleton throwing stuff to the fans? Is that what that is? It might be. (laughs) I think he is. John Middleton, the Phillies owner, is just throwing things into the fans at Citizens Bank Park. Good. Party. You deserve it. Yeah, it's so awesome, man. I'm so jealous of everyone who's down there right now, but I want to hear from you. 610-632-0975. I don't think anyone's going to be leaving the game anytime soon. I'll Damn, tell you that much Call us there. from the stadium. I don't care. Call us from whatever section you're sitting in. It might be hard to get the cell phone reception out there, but go ahead and give us a ring and tell us what you're thinking about what you saw tonight and what you're looking forward to from the Philadelphia Phillies. It's been a long road. I don't think people understand. Even if you watch all the games, I don't think you can truly grasp the length of season that you have to go through and the consistency that you have to win with to be a playoff team in the major leagues. It's just, it's 162. It's a grind. It's very hard to go out there and get done what the Phillies just got done. And they deserve to be celebrated for it. They've gone through a battle and it's not done yet, but the first step towards where we want them to be, which is lifting a world series trophy is making the postseason and tonight the Phillies have done that. And think of the way all of that that excuse me, all that they've overcome this season. Bryce Harper with the Tommy John surgery. We didn't think his power was going to get back. He's got 20 homers this season. Something that I didn't think was possible from what we saw the first half of Bryce Harper's season. Trey freaking Turner where he's batting 230 at one point, where he, we look lost, or he looks lost, and we're having shows of, hey, is he going to figure it out, or is this just a lost season? For him to turn around the season that he has complete, the way that he has done has been fantastic. Even looking on a bigger note like this, Nick Castellanos and how bad he struggled last year, dude, for him to be your best, maybe your MVP of your baseball team in the first half of the season, one of your most consistent players all season long, fantastic. Aaron Nola and the ups and downs, the injuries that we've seen. Jose Alvarado, Saranti Dominguez, Ranger Suarez on the IL. Despite all of this, the Philadelphia Phillies are where they're at right now, set up perfectly to start the playoffs in Philly. Next what? Next Tuesday, I believe, is game one in the NLD, or excuse me, NL Wild Card Series. October 3rd, game one. Cannot wait. It's going to be absolutely awesome, and Citizens Bank Park is going to be fired up. There have been some great environments of points throughout this year. The Phillies have the biggest growth in attendance from last year to this year of any Major League Baseball team, and they earned it by what they did last October. But they didn't earn it for the regular season. They earned it so that once again, in October, that stadium is going to be packed, and man, can I not wait to see that environment come October 3rd. It's going to be awesome to see. I love it, dude. Red October. We're Uh, really here. Red October, buddy. It's back. 
I might have to, I, you know what? I'm excited. I think I'm going to be watching this entire post game when I get home. Might I think I'm going to be re- like to. literally just hanging out and just reliving it because, like I said, enjoy these moments. Still a ways to go, but these moments don't come around often for our Philadelphia Phillies where it's been, what, this is the second time in 11 years that it's happened, 12 years that it's happened. Enjoy it. Yes, we're on a good path here. We think this is going to be the norm. Enjoy it while you have it because little things like this should be enjoyed. The last time the Phillies made the postseason two years in a row, I was in 11th grade. Me and you both. I don't know that I had my driver's license. Like, it's, Probably not. It's been a while, folks, since we've seen this multiple times. Rob Thompson, now, second straight season that he's led this team to the postseason. There are questions about his lineup and everything and maybe a little bit of stubbornness on the way he plays some guys. But right now, as I watch him get doused with champagne in what looks to be a scene out of the Rainforest Cafe, like... It is pouring down in Citizens Bank Park's home locker room right now as the Phillies shower their manager in champagne. It's amazing to just think about this team going back. It deserves celebrating. It really, really does. And just the way that they've finished, excuse me, finished it out as well, where we've seen them collapse in September, where I mentioned before they haven't had a winning September since Pete McCannon. Uh, was the manager. They were four, or excuse me, 11 and 14 last year in September, kind of backed their way in. No, they didn't let that happen this year. 14 and 10 so far this September, and they take advantage of lesser teams. That's what they did. Think about these last three series, man. You win a huge series against the Atlanta Braves. Massive series. Sets the tone for the rest of the season, right? Sets the tone come playoff time. You have a series with New York where we're thinking, hey, get three of four, and we're in, in a really good spot here. What do they do? They get 4-4 four four and sweep the New York Mets. And then you come into today as well, where, yes, it was shaky at times. It wasn't pretty. But you did what good teams do. You take advantage of the moment. You don't let it linger. And you win against lesser teams. That's what the Phillies have done. This last week has been a great sign for Philadelphia Phillies fans out there as we head into the playoff. It really has. And there have been signs throughout the year. Playing tight games as team fights. Sometimes they'll make games tighter than they need to be, and that drives people insane. Sometimes they'll lose bad games. But when they play good opponents and they play tight games, the Phillies have found ways to win. They have found ways to fight. This team is tested. They're battle-ready. This isn't last year's team where it's, okay, a cute story they got in, and then they make a magical run out of nowhere. Remember, in the ninth inning in St. Louis, you were looking at it like, okay, well, this team's going home in two Season's games. over, yep. This team is rolling in with some momentum. And with a bunch of guys with playoff experience, a bunch of guys with World Series experience, you've got a ready team that is prepared for Red October, and they have now earned their way in. It's great. Tomorrow they have a chance to clinch the top wild card seed with a win. It's just, uh, oh, my God. Is it the hangover game tomorrow or no? Do you think they're still going for this NL wild card? Then we get the hangover game. That's a great question. I think you're probably going to see the hangover probably game. Probably the tomorrow. hangover game, Because right? they can clinch the top wild card seed if, even if they lose They need lose one out. more win after tonight. Or, after the win tonight, they need one more win. Or if they don't get any help at all, they just need to win one of these last five games to get yeah, the top wild card. Or a loss from the Cubs tonight Correct. or tomorrow night or the rest of the way. Or a win by the Brewers tonight or tomorrow night or the rest of the way. That, that's all. Unless the Phillies lose out, the Cubs win out, Ooh. the Brewers lose out. And what do we have? Do we have a little update? I was just going to pull it up myself. The Braves have made it a 6-5 game in Atlanta. Braves helping the Phils? It looks like it. If the Braves come back and win that game, the Philadelphia Phillies will clinch the top wild card seed tonight. It is the bottom of the eighth in Atlanta. There are no outs. And, yes, you have Matt Olson up. Would never want him to hit a home run more than I do right now. Uh, but the Braves looking for their 101st win, which would push the Phillies into the top wild card seed in the National League, is still a chance of clinching tonight. And even if not, 
They're going to get that top wild card seed. It's going to be a playoff series at Citizens Bank Park. All three games, and we hope that three aren't needed. Braves, help us out. Let, let us just celebrate everything tonight. That'd be fantastic, right? Help us out. We let you get the NL East. You had that. That's all you. Good. We helped you out. Now you help us out. Finish out the Cubs. Again, 6-5 Cubs are up in the bottom of the eighth with zero outs. Really big chance for the Atlanta Braves to finish this uh, finish this game out here. Make a comeback. Finish the comeback. Well, feel free to flip over that one because our time is done here. It's been a fun night. Talking birds, watching the Phillies clinch. We're headed to a red October. Jalen Hurts is going to be fine. The Eagles are going to be fine. Things are good right now. Enjoy it, folks, because as much as we have high expectations, you still have to enjoy the victories along the way. That's the biggest message of the show tonight. Man, it's been so much fun. Thank you, Tom, for being here as always. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Matt, for running the board back there. Matt Menard doing a great job and getting us the sound quickly of the Phillies. Thank you to everyone who tweeted, text, called, all that good stuff. You're going to hear us a lot in this time slot, the late night one from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. or filling in around games and everything like that. You're going to hear a lot of Tom and I. So uh, appreciate everyone who joined in. Continue to listen. We'll continue to give you great content as the Phillies go on their run. Fight. The Eagles continue to play well. And it's great. It's Red October, folks. It's right here, and we've got it. We'll talk to you next time on 97.5 The Fanatic.